Well, greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another, hopefully a really good, interesting, long conversation today on tonight's careers retrospectives. We were supposed to do this Monday, but we're doing it tonight just because of our schedules on my on both of our ends. I am joined as always by my good man Kyle. Hey guys, excited for this one. Yes, it, when he when he first told me this idea, I was like, he's like, let's just break down Green Day's entire career. Why not, right? And I'm like, sure, it only takes three hours. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? Should we get and should we know for those who are listening, you remember this, but I'm wearing my Helen Megator shirt. I came prepared tonight, feeling pretty good. So oh, such a good show. Anyways, I digress. But tonight, yes, as the title of this video and as of this podcast says, we are breaking down Green Day's entire discography, excluding Demolicious. And what was the other one again? Uh, shenanigan just it's not a technical studio album just a compilation of b-sides so it didn't really want to count that in there yeah so we'll, i'll brief we'll we can briefly touch on it but yeah we'll, we'll mention really. it when the time comes around but um yeah <clears throat> but i am really excited to do this and let's let's get right into it Jai. let's just let's overall just talk briefly about green day as a band really quick before we get into their career and their discography so kyle Green Day. What comes to mind to you when you first think of Green Day? Oh my God! Well, full disclosure uh, for anyone that's listening, if they didn't tune into our 21st Century Breakdown conversation a few months ago, Green Day is my all-time favorite band. Um, full disclosure: there's not a single thing that they've done that I fully dislike in terms of full albums. Uh, really, a timeless band first thing comes into my mind i would say just the the sheer amount of hits that they have crossover hits into the mainstream in multiple different decades that is such a hard feat for a band to do but green day is just timeless enough where they've done it seamlessly and hopefully continue to do it i am listen when i think of green day too personally i think of some of the best pop punk out there. Some of the best punk, honestly, out there. Um, truly incredible live. As I, I did see them on the on the Hella Mega Tour on a different show than yours, because Fall Out Boy had to fall through, of course. Yeah. On our on my show, but you guys see all three. Lucky you. Um, I love Green Day as well. Not on the same caliber as magnitude as you, but I do love Green Day quite a bit. There are uh, definitely not, not many people are on that magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This uh, full disclosure. The, when, when when I first asked Kyle if we want to do a show together, the first thing I thought was, well, "Why don't we just talk about Green Day?" And then we then led to what we do now. But the first, our first episode of Career Retrospectives, we talked about 21st Century Breakdown, which we'll get to at some point tonight. Yep. But um, Green Day is just one of those bands to me. It's, it's truly, I agree with you. It's timeless. They are <clears throat> truly one of a kind. Um, they definitely broke a lot of things back in the mid nineties, like they broke pop pop punk out in a sense with Dookie. We'll, we'll get that in a little while too. But like when I think of Green Day, I just think of an all around fantastic band, three guys who really have stuck together since their inception. And they have done an incredible job since then. I have loved just about everything I've heard as well. I think that, you know, some of their songs are incredible, timeless classics, of course, uh, and hits as well. Just hard rockers. They've, they've, Touched me in different, many different ways, and so many more. But I don't come close to you. You, you have like your caliber is like I bleed Green Day. Yes, <laughs> let's, let's yes. And I, 
I do just want to also add best live band out there in my opinion and even way either way objectively at least in the top three of all time in they are live show it absolutely incredible yeah um, it, it's great yeah and if you have never seen green day i mean we both seen green you've seen green day many more times than me because yeah you know you've seen them plenty more than me but like they are incredible live i mean there's no denying it whatsoever they are they got high energy, high effects, high loud vocals. Like you name it, you want you want a rock show, go see Green Day. Truthfully, they rock it out. Awesome. <coughs> but let's enough dilly dallying. Let's get into their first album. That was their debut album. And it was 1989 or was it 90? Uh, 1990. 1990. So let's talk. Yep. Let's talk at first about. Is, is it called 39 Smooth? Yeah, 39 and like, Smooth. And then it was reissued a year later in 91 with the previous EPs under the name 1039 Smoothed Out Slappy Hours. Yeah, I was about to say, isn't that the, that's such a yeah. weird name for like a, an album? Yeah. Co- an album. Like, it's just the name of all of the EPs plus the album smashed together. Yeah, that's, I mean, full disclosure, I mean, right off the bat, what is like, I, I, you know, I'm gonna let you go first because I want to hear because this is their, their debut album, like first ever on uh, Lookout Records. What's your take on 39 Smooth 1039 Smooth Out has Slappy Hours? <laughs> yeah, so for what it is, it it's a great first album. I wouldn't say it's a timeless classic like there are others, you know, given there are a handful of songs on it that I would put up there with their classic hits and that still do get played at live shows today. But for the most part, you know, it, it's your stereotypical debut album for a band from, you know, a genre that wasn't big at the time in the mainstream, you know, it's, it, it's punk. It's definitely more punk than a lot of their other stuff, but it's still that like early pop punk vibe. Um, production's not that great on it but again you you don't expect that from a the first outing of a brand new band uh you know only album to not have trey's drumming on it and i think that that really shows i think that the drumming on this one's a lot more straightforward than trey cool's drumming which it's not a bad thing the drumming's still good instrumentally it's a solid album as a whole I would say it holds up for what it's worth. I do wish that production on it is a little bit better. I probably come back to this one the least of all their albums, but there are like, uh, you know, we'll get into the track list in a minute, but there are a handful of songs here that I do come back to uh, very often. <laughs> Forgive us if we cough a lot. We're still both a little sick. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I got to tell you the truth. I... When listening to this album from start to finish, and I, I forgot that Trey did not plan this. He played on the second album, Kerplunk, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Because you, you can, I, the drumming, I agree. You can definitely tell or it's like, you can definitely tell that it's like, oh, well, it's not like, uh, you can kind of tell it's not Trey almost. It's, it's hard to distinguish a drummer, but in this case, I definitely could tell that Trey was not. There, because I was just, yeah, Trey is one of those drummers that you, 
you can tell. There's very few drummers where you can tell just by the playing style who it is. I would say Trey is one of those right along there with Travis Barker, uh, Neil Peart of Rush, and, you know, uh, a handful of others. But I say those are probably the big two or big three that I can really tell right away who it is. Yeah. Uh, There are plenty of others out there, but those are the top three off the top of my head right now. Yeah, and I think also, I mean – I think even though with the first album in general, but without Trey, I think Trey obviously has played a major factor since then as well. But yeah. um, but the, the original drummer was John Kiffmeyer. That's what it says right here, right? That's his name. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> and he left after this album, and then they got Trey. Um, so let's let's just read through the track listing first, and then we'll get to each one individually. But at the library, the first song on their debut album, at the library. Don't leave me. I was there. Disappearing boy. Green Day. The song Green Day, which I'll, I'll get to in a little bit too. Going to Pas- Pasquale. Is that how you say it? I never know how to say it. Pasalacqua. Pasalacqua. Okay. Yeah. 16, The Road to Acceptance, Rest, and The Judge's Daughter. 10 songs that really, you know, a great start to their career, truth. A really, really solid good start. Um, why don't you go first at the library? What's your take on at the library? Um, sorry, that's good. They, I wouldn't say it's one of their top tier songs. I mean, for me, I would put top three going to Pasalacqua. I was there and Disappearing Boy are my big takeaways from this album. Okay. A lot of it, I would say, I wouldn't call it filler, but I wouldn't put it like up, up that high either. Um, yeah. It's a great song, though. I mean, the songwriting is there for a band that's on their first outing. The songwriting throughout the album is really consistent. Yeah. And the lyrics, too. I mean, we'll get to uh, towards the end of the, when we talk about this, but the actual lyrics, I mean, for a band just starting out, like some of their, yeah, it was like, yeah, when, when we got, there's a couple songs on Kerplunk I want to get to when we get there, but like their, their writing is really, really good like, to start off initially, too. Oh, like, yeah. Even, even as they got into American Idiot and 21st Century Breakdown, where they got like heavily, you know, like this, the way we see things type of thing. But at the same time, it's like their lyrics are still, you know, very much what they were at the time. I bet when they first oh, yeah. wrote this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the song I was there is Billy didn't even write the lyrics, um, but it, lyrically it's great. And it makes me, it has, gives you like that nostalgic feeling for being younger. Um, mm-hmm. Really good. Lyrically it is pretty solid for a band just starting out and i do want to point out that mike's bass playing on this album really shines it's great throughout this is kind of when they were just going crazy as kids and throwing in this sounds really cool let's put it in there and it, it works yeah i mean it's it's definitely you can definitely tell it's like a first album like we're just starting out and whatnot I would say, me personally, the three standout tracks to me, personally, I would say would actually have to be a Spring Boy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Library just stands out to me for some reason. It's very, uh, it is a very good song. Yeah. And actually, the the band titled Green, the song Green mm-hmm. Day, for some reason, I just, I've always gone back, because a lot of people forget that, you know, it's a song. It's not just the name of the band. Like, they named the, the name the, 
song Green Day, and then they tend to change their name to Green Day after it was Sweet Children, if I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. So there's that. Um, but the rest of it, I mean, like the first half is really solid like at the library, just bring boy Green Day, going to Pasalacqua. I'm going to just say yep. it the way that whatever it is. <coughs> 16, I thought was, you know, it's good. But the second half, like, Road to Acceptance is good. Rest is good. And Judge's Daughter. I, I, I agree with you. They're, they're not See, like filler, but still. So this album does have one of the only, there's probably about only three Green Day songs in existence that I do not like. Just hands down, do not like. Rest is one of them. Okay. Rest is one of the only Green Day songs that I just, I never listen to it. I actually skip it every time. Um, it's a weird attempt at a slow ballady type song that I don't think they were ready to write at the time. And uh, to me, it doesn't work. That's just me. Uh, I never come back to it. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, you're right. <laughs> Full disclosure. We're, 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 going, we're going to, we're, this is the green day guy. We got the green day King over here. So he's, he's going to correct me. On a multitude of things tonight that I am not fully aware of, and he's going to give me unknown facts that I've never even heard of. So just bear with us tonight. <laughs> I, um, I do also just want to hit really quick on yeah the the re-released version of it when they reissued it with the the previous EPs because there there are quite a few standout tracks of those EPs, and if you're looking for this album now, that's how you're going to find it. It's right. the reissued one. Uh, that's just how it is. I'm pretty sure on all the streaming services, that's all lumped in together. Yeah, it is automatically. Um, you know, not their cover of knowledge by operation Ivy mm. is on there. And that is still to this day, a staple of their live show. And I personally think they do the song even better. Uh, 409 and your coffee maker, paper lanterns. Uh, both of those still make appearances live here and there too, as does uh, going to Pasolacqua. Yeah, they played them not too long ago. The super, not the Super Bowl fest, the other one. Yeah, the festival was. yeah, they played a couple of them. I forget which festival it was, but yeah, they did. And there are a couple of songs on here too. Like I think that the weakest out of these pre uh, pre album EPs, one thousand hours, with yeah. the exception of Dry Ice, the rest of them I'm I don't think are that great in terms of what else is there like 1000 hours is some of the cringiest lyrics billy's written like he's trying <laughs> to write like a love song it, it's kind of corny but again you know we're talking about like teenagers at this point essentially it's he was 15 or 16 years old he was younger than what you expect man it's it's a cheesy cheesy punk love song but the rest of it's very good yeah i mean i i like only oh I, these are all coming back to me now because I, I went through a whole Green Day phase like n- not quite as heavy as you but like I went through a Green Day phase and I just listened to all of this stuff again for the first time since that binge and I was like wow I forgot how good like a lot of these earlier really pre reprise records songs were yeah truthfully like Paper Lanterns you should Paper Lanterns that's one right there mm-hmm. but um overall I mean and you know it. It's a solid album overall. It's, 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 as far as a debut goes, I think it's where they were at the time. They were just at, in this sort of mindset of like, hey, we're going to have, these are the songs we're going to put out. 
And that's going to be that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Wow. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think 39 smooth and was, um, what is it called? One of the 30, <laughs> the weirdest title possible. 1039 smoothed out slappy hours. Love to see it. Yep. <laughs> um, what, oh, what, my friend, where does this rank amongst your Green Day albums? So just for the fact that I don't often come back to many of these, well, to too many of the songs, and you know, unless I have it on shuffle, uh, the production kind of drags it down a bit for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad album by any means, but I would definitely put it at uh, number 13. Okay. And that's, and that's no slur of it either. I mean, I... No, not at all. It's just it, when you have a career's worth of fantastic albums, something has to take the last place spot. Unfortunately so. I'm going to go, personally, me, from just me, I'm going to put it number 12. Okay. And, okay, this is just me. Because it is, it is their debut, but it, okay, I agree with a lot of the points you made. The quality of it is very, like, very low budget studio. There's not much, you know, good clean audio, whatever. And they were just starting out. I mean, they've gone on to write some of the greatest pop punk rock songs of all time, truthfully. Um, An American Idiot, you know, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Basket Case, etc. Even Still Breathing was great. We'll get that in like an hour. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I put it number 12 because it's the first one, but is it like the best one? No, and it's to the mainstream, it may not be as well remembered, truthfully, either. So, I, I'm gonna say that for as far as my, my number 12 personally. But that's me, yeah, that's fair. All right, now you ready? Yep, let's go down to Kerplunk. The next, their next album, their second studio album, Kerplunk from 1991. Can I go first? Absolutely. All right, cool. This one, full disclosure, this is what I. I out of all of the 1990s Green Day, like with Dookie, Insomniac, Nimrod, even Warning to some extent, right? Well, it was 2000, right? Yeah. Um, like this one, I don't know what it was. The lyric writing jumped a little bit more for me because uh, this is Christy Road on it, right? Yes. I love that song. Christy Road, like I just want to shed some light, shed, show <laughs> some love for the Christy Road people out there. Like full disclosure, this is one of like, I love this album a lot. They're like that has the original version of Welcome to Paradise. Um, 2000 Light Years Away was written for his girlfriend at the time, or no, his, who became his wife, sorry, Adrian. Uh, I love Christy Road. I love um, uh, their cover of, of uh, My Generation as well, because that, that is like the, um, that's included on the streaming. Yep. Um, on the like this, Again, that's pretty much what you're going to find with most of the releases of this album, like 1039. You know, it, it's a, uh, the CD version, cassette version, and the streaming versions have that Sweet Children EP bundled in with it. Yeah. I think the only time you're going to see Kerplunk with its original track listing now is if you buy the vinyl, which I think most of them now, at least the pressing I have, comes with a separate pressing of the EP. Okay. So, it, yeah, I included those on here when I was listening back to everything. Yeah. And this is Trey's first appearance with Green Day. Mm-hmm. Trey Cole, the drummer. Um, who wrote Colden Caulfield? I love that song too. Oh, I yeah. forgot. I, I forgot going back to them. Like, I forgot they wrote this. <laughs> um, one of my, I'm just jumping around a little. I know I'm jumping around. Forgive me, guys. But 80 is a great track. 
I love that track. I don't know what it, the way it just sounds is like it's awesome. I love that song. So for this for me personally, the standout tracks are uh, 2000 Light Years Away, the uh, the original Welcome to Paradise as well. I love the Dookie version as well more though, but I do love this version. Uh, Christy Road, um, 80, and Who Are Cold and Caulfield are standouts for me personally. Kyle, Kerplunk, talk to me. What do you got? This album was such a step up in just the course of a, about a year, a little less than two years. It's what a step up from the album, it, you know, production-wise, sound-wise. Uh, I don't know if we can blame that all on Trey Cool coming into the band here, but it truly just astounding the difference in quality of the two albums. Like you said, 2000 Light Years Away, still a staple to this day of their live show. Christy Road still makes appearances. Yeah. Um, who wrote Holden Caulfield sneaks in every once in a while. Uh, I believe they played that the 21st Century Breakdown tour at, one, at least one of the shows I saw on that tour. My top art of this album are really not far off from yours. Uh, 2000, in no particular order, 2000 Light Years Away. Who wrote Holden Caulfield, which actually I believe is Billy's favorite song from this album as well. Mm. And uh, Christy Road. Fantastic songs. I also want to highlight Android in there. Fantastic. Uh, the ones that I would consider, I don't want to say, I, I say low points, but what I mean is just the, they're not bad songs when I say that. I would say the ones that are my least favorite on the album, the bonus tracks. Uh, best thing in town and Strangeland in particular. Sweet Children's pretty good. They just best thing in town and Strangeland just kind of don't hit that great for me. Other than that, though, the rest of the album absolutely fantastic. Um, and I would put Welcome to Paradise as a low point only because the Dookie version exists. Because if I want to listen to the song, nine times out of ten, I'm going to the Dookie version. Yes. Again, similar to the last album, the production on this, it's definitely better. Without a doubt, the production is better. It still has a dated production when you go back and listen to it. Yes. You can tell that it was still not like a high budget major label album. Nothing wrong with it. It's just what it is. It's not as pleasing of a listen on the ears in terms of production, which... Again, second album, not mainstream band yet, but this really kicked them up to that point. And we even have a song completely sung by Trey on here, Dominated Love Slave, which is a hysterical song. <laughs> Great album. Absolutely huge turnaround from the last one, in my opinion. And that's, again, impressive since their debut was a very good album. Yeah, I mean, there's... Just a, a couple of fun facts for um for um uh, Kerplunk. I was trying to blank what it was called for a second. I don't know why it's right in front of me. <coughs> um, this was their first album that actually. Um, I was good. Have you ever seen the Behind the Music Green Day episode? Yeah. Yep. All right. Do you remember when they were talking on there about that when the Kerplunk came out? It actually sold at the time. This is keep in mind, guys. Green Day at the time was a very very unknown band. They had toured. The U.S. briefly, like for their first album, and then they hit the yeah, just for... small clubs and yeah, clubs like that. 
But I, I will say the number I heard, if I'm not mistaken, this album on CD or whatever, with an unknown band, with an unknown like label and whatnot, sold 70,000 copies in CD back in the day. Yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but yeah, it sold very well for a non-mainstream band. It pretty, you know, pretty unheard of. It really helped them break <laughs> out into what they became a couple of years later. I agree. I mean, and <clears throat> I think this one of the and this was after this album came out, they were looking to to, to they were they were approached by because after like Nirvana and Grunge, they're like, oh, what's the next big thing? And then sure enough, we're gonna get to Dookie in about a minute, but they were looking for um like another band to like be the next thing the next big thing and sure enough they found it with green day but they had to sign to a major label you know the, 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 i remember mike saying at one point like there was a guy at like one record company he was like he's like I'll, I'll do anything for you to tattoo the kerplunk logo on my ass because I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll do anything for you kind of thing to get it assigned to our company type of thing like they were like like they found green day and they're like look you could be rich. You could be really popular if you break out into the mainstream if you want to. It was a big risk, of course. The, the, the whole episode was like how to break out in the main. It was really cool. That whole behind, if you can find the behind the music video of that on YouTube, good for you. I think it is on YouTube. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think it is. I also want to just highlight the album cover. Oh, yeah, totally. Green Day has been a band that has had, with the exception of 39 Smooth, mm-hmm. Fantastic album covers, and it really started with Kerplunk. This it's iconic. The the flower shirt, the girl holding the gun. It became an iconic album cover, and I think that every album since then has had a great cover, even the ones that other people might disagree with. I agree. I mean, the the those you are listening, you'll be able to see it. But like, just look up Green Day Kerplunk. I mean the flower on the T-shirt, the 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 girl with the gun in her hand. It's and I <clears throat> truly is an iconic album. <clears throat> I'm covered. My throat is killing me already. <laughs> um, but I I do have to the, the you know you're right. There are they they are a band that always has, has great covers. I never yeah. thought of it like that until now. But you're right though. They do have a really good, solid, you know, cover. Um. For all, all their albums, specifically, you know, American Idiot with the heart shaped hand grenade, and you know, mm-hmm. look at that, whatever. But yeah, so and Mike's but, bass on this album again, incredible. Yeah, this is still when he was kind of showing off in a way with his bass playing over the years that has kind of fallen off a bit. He plays a little more to the song rather than playing like show off parts, parts, which is fine. It's I think that it's important that musicians know how to play to a song rather than trying to show off all the time. Yeah. But it's great for people to go back here and just think, Oh, just be reminded that yeah. Mike Dern is actually an incredible bass player. He really, he's one of the, what are they, what are they say? What a fall boy say there. He's one of the most identifiable bass players. Yeah. Yeah. I, he is such a, <clears throat> such an incredible bass player. I, 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 he is, his tinny tone, everything about his playing is just, you know, it's Mike Dern. Yep. That's, that's one thing about every member of this band. They're all identifiable in their playing style. Trey Cool, you know, it's Trey Cool. Uh, Mike Dern, you know, it's Mike playing the bass. And Billy, the, even though it's just power chords and rhythm guitar for the most part. Yeah. He has a very identifiable style to how he plays that you always know when it's him playing. 
And I do want to say this album, his vocal tone is significantly better than the last one too. Yeah. He got a little deeper on the album, which, you know, it's not, not really that much older, but I think that might also just go back to production value as well. Right. Yeah. He's, I mean, you're right though. He actually like, um, just an overall, I mean, Kerplunk, it's just, it stands the test of time as truly a fantastic record. But the question is, where or where does this rank amongst your Green Day albums? So having said all of those things about it, <laughs> much like my reasoning for 39 Smooth being where that is on my list, I do have to put this one at number 11. Okay. <laughs> specifically because it's one of the ones that I it's not my first pick to come back to and that's not in a bad way again I do think it's a fantastic album but again there are ones that I like more so I have to put it at number 11 all right well I'm going to add that my personal I mean if my buddy Bill was here, he'd say we swipe right. I'm going to put mine as at number 11 as well because it is still <clears> – <throat> it's a great record. It is one of the, one of the best underground indie records not, – not indie per se, but like one of the best-selling pre-major like label records out there, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Like it sold like 4 million copies worldwide or whatever of this one yep. record. But I'm going to put it at number 11 as well only because of – how early it was in their career. Truthfully, they had like, they've gone on to, like I said, they've gone on to write many other incredible things, but this one personally, um, it, it is still their second album. They've written so many other great stuff after this. That is in my opinion, better than some of the things on here, even though it is great. There are things that are better. See, that's <clears> the thing is if any other band had released just these two albums, you could have called it a good run for that band because these are both great albums, but it's just what came after it has overshadowed it in such a way that you almost feel bad putting them so low. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, they are just that good. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's a solid record overall. Just they've written so many other great things. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, so let's, if we're finally going to do this, right? We're finally talking about Dookie in 1994. You go first. <laughs> like, I just, I want to hear your person. I guess I, I could go on too, but I want to hear your, because, you know, you talk to me about Dookie. What do you got? Yeah. So there's when, little peek behind the curtain when i prepare for these videos i go back you know i listen to every album i take notes on them in terms of high points and low points of the album there's no low points on this album there's nothing i could pinpoint and say that's a low point of the album it's a consist it's the first album of theirs that is consistently solid front to back the cultural impact of dookie cannot be understated it was a massive album. It made them into household names. Some of the most massive singles of the genre in general here. I mean, you got Longview, Basket Case, Welcome to Paradise, the, you know, the re-recorded version, When I Come Around. 
all massive. Uh, and then one of my favorites, uh, She, that was a high point that track. for me, uh, even though it wasn't like as big as the others. They still play that one live to this day, even on Hella Mega, they're playing it. Uh, Burnout, incredible opening track, definitely the best opening track of their career so far up until this point. Yes. Um, the only kind of low point, which I can't even count as that, would maybe be All By Myself, the hidden track. It's just a joke song performed by Trey. It's funny. And I like that it's a little hidden track there, but it's not not like a necessity of the album, in my opinion. Uh, really a decade-defining album. Like when you think 90s music, you you think Dookie. Need I say more? <laughs> even the songs that are less popular here are all fantastic. I mean, yeah. even like the less revered one, like Sassafras Roots, Coming Clean, Chump, Having a Blast, you know, all great. And then the closing track, FOD. Wow. Like their best, their best opener and closer of the first three albums right here. First major label album got them kind of shunned in their local scene for a while. Uh, dumb reasonings, but really, really fantastic culture impacting album. I have no words because you everything you just said was pretty damn on point. <laughs> like everything from the five hit singles off the album, the incredible opening track, the way Chump segues into Longview. Mm-hmm. Pulling Teeth is a great song. Like um, Coming Clean, incredible. Like in the FOD is incredible. Like for a major label debut to be that successful. And going to what like multi platinum success after all those oh, years, yeah. or whatever, right? Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Rob Cavallo, the start of Rob Cavallo's uh, working relationship with the band, uh, longtime producer, he did such a good job with this album. It sounds great. The production still holds up. You know, we're decades later at this point. Yeah, like almost almost thirty years old. God. Yeah. Yep. But everyone on this album sounds good. You know, Billy's vocals, this is where I feel like he really came into his own as a vocalist as well as a songwriter. Yes. Trey's drumming, I think, has some of the best parts, best drum parts of his career here. I mean, Burnout, incredible. The bass on Longview and the drums on Longview as well, iconic. And... all of the all of the singles pretty much of this album are still live staples almost yeah. 30 years later i mean when i come around is played on the radio still to this day oh so it was best case best case yep yep i heard long long view the long view the other day on fm radio I'm like there you go so yep. and it's it's it truly is an era what is it an era defining album is that what, what absolutely you 100% I mean, the guy, it, it, and mind you, this is their first major label debut album. It was all. About, yeah, yeah, talk about iconic covers, too. 
<laughs> one of the right. most iconic album covers of all time here. I agree. It's also had the era of the infamous uh, mud fight when they played Woodstock. Oh, yep. Yep. The 25th anniversary of Woodstock. I forgot about that. Yep. Just an all around incredible, like just an unbelievable album to this day. It is one of their, one of the best albums of all time. Truthfully, I would put it in the top 500. Even the top like 300. <laughs> just, just throw it in there. It's just, it's would, that good. I would put it in the top 100. <laughs> there you go. Even better. Even better. There's so many other albums too. Um, but yeah, I, incredible, incredible album, start to finish. Truly in a, an incredible, <clears throat> I'm still sick. Truly just an incredible album, start to finish. But the question is, Kyle, where does Dookie, Mm-hmm. rank on your list i'm you know I, it's so a little here's scared where, here's where i get into uh here's where i start to get into trouble because oh. as objectively iconic as this album is and how not only genre defining but culture and decade defining the 90s this album was and still is i gotta put it at number six <laughs> Way lower than I than most people's rankings. Oh my god! And I, and I, I was, have a heart attack. I'm gonna be honest. I was shocked myself when I went through and because again, when I go through these, I listen to everything, and I make that ranking of as I'm listening to them. And uh, as I went through, I was like, you know what? These songs are all fantastic songs. They're all incredibly written. Can't say enough about how good it is but for me it had it goes at number six <laughs> you really took me by surprise i was like yeah i was like he did. i know i i warned you before we before we started this that my list was going to be very controversial <laughs> he's gonna say number three i know it what number six no i'm just kidding but like i was like what dude oh my god how could you? All right, all right. I'm taking it back. Give me a sec, everyone. Give me a sec. Um, I have it at truthfully number three. Might be a little bit higher than you, but not quite like that top tier. Incredible. It is great. It is a truly incredible album. I love it. But is it mm-hmm. the best one in my opinion? No. I'm putting a little, not as not as low as you, but not as high as you as well. Yes, I, I think that's probably where a lot of people would, would put it. Um, <laughs> I'll get into my reasons for once we get into the other ones that I yeah. put above it. But uh, yeah, I, I shocked myself, to be honest. I, I can't, it's, oh my God. I'm actually, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a stroke right now. I'm like, how, how, how? but you know, then again, he is the Green Day guy. So there we go. Um, that was 1994's Dookie. He's at number six. I'm at number three. Let's jump over to 1995. <clears throat> Let's talk about Insomniac. What a different record, truthfully. Mm-hmm. I mean, still fast-paced, still punk rock. But uh, I'd say I would argue even more fast-paced. I jaded anyone? <laughs> Brain yeah. stew into jaded? Come on, you know. Um, talk to me, Insomniac. So this album really surprised me upon listening through 
again. As a kid, this album didn't do much for me. Okay. Not in like a bad way. There was still a handful of songs that I really liked. But as the years got on, especially the past year or two, I love this album. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed for me. Because it's an album that I still used to listen to very frequently all the way through. And I still liked all the songs. But they didn't hit back then like they have for me the past couple of years. And wow. When I talk about how Dookie had no low points, this one as well to me. Not a single low point in the album. It hits hard from beginning to end. And it is the more aggressive, like, brother album to Dookie here. It is an almost, like, angry album, whereas, like, Dookie had some, like, it had, like, fun to it. it songs about, like, just, like, some dumb subject matter. It's fun stuff on there. This album is just, like, a kind of like a big F you to everyone that, like, shunned them from the scene because of Dookie. And wow, um, really, really did a 180 for me over time. Uh, went from being a pretty low tier album for me to being, it, it's up there. It's up there. Uh, high points for me, uh, Armitage Shanks, which I will just want to say that Burnout was the best album opener. Up until then, I would say this one, beat out burnout for me i think it's a fantastic opener yeah this album didn't have as many hits on it yeah geek stink breath brains too jaded but i mean nothing compared to dookie but i mean brat walking contradiction so such good songs panic song lyrically i think it's a better album than dookie just because it deals with a little more serious topics uh but yeah i mean that's pretty much where i'm at with it i i went from someone that would put it in the bottom tier of their work to someone that absolutely adores this album and uh really really has uh surprised me over time especially with how well it's held up and the remastered version of it in uh that came out last year sounds even better Excuse me. Still sick, everyone. Um, coming off of Dookie, multi-platinum, incredible success, incredible album. Totally understood, right? Totally inc- just incredible album to begin with, Dookie. Going into Insomniac, it is, truthfully, I would say it's a little bit darker. Yes. Definitely darker. I mean, because you have, like, Brain Stew is a song that has two movements for those of you who are not from musical familiar with. There you go. But like, it's just on the guitar in different chords and Jade, it goes from the slow pace, like on board kind of thing to jaded. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to touch on brain stew is incredible. Geek stink breath, bruh. That like, there are some incredible songs on this album that I still like, I go back to sometimes too, but how can we forget? I mean, kind of the touch on the album opener. Armitage, how do you say it? Armitage Shanks? I always said Armitage. 
All right, Armitage. Hmm. Armitage, I'm, I'm going to butcher it every time. The first song, Armitage Shanks, I'm going to butcher it every time. Sorry, guys. Um, <clears throat> wow. Was this the, the in, in, just incredible, like, drumming? Definitely harder guitar. Um, Have your power chords. Uh, I just want to list off the track listing here. Ar- Ar- Armitage Shanks, Brat, Stuck With Me. Geek Stink Breath, No Pride, Babs Uvalahu. Is that my saying that right? Uh, Babs Uvalahu. Oh, you, sorry, everyone. Yeah. Uvula, 86, Panic Song, St- uh, Stuart and the Avenue, Brain Stew Jaded, Westbound Sign, t- uh, Tight Wide Hill, and Walking like Walking Contradiction. This album. You know, for coming off, like I said, coming off a of dookie, they're like, all right, what, what's gonna be next for Green Day? What's gonna be next? Damn right, they they know how to do it. I mean, it is a truly an incredible record. <clears throat> like, I think honestly, as far as production goes, it does sound a little bit more like sinister, a little darker, like a little bit like more like, oh, they're going that route. I mean, it definitely Kyle's right. It, it was pretty much an F you to the critics saying, like, oh, how could how could these people be? How could this band be so you know, pop? Real punk is not you know commercially successful, and it's supposed to be dark. It's supposed to be gritty. They listened to that and they made this record. But at the same time, you know, just what a batch of songs to pump out during that time. I I, I love it too, but what a unique record to make. Truthfully, and you're right though, the 2021 remastered thing, um, remastered vinyl. That came out right. Is that right? Yep. It, it was. It just sounded even more clear. Like it, it sounded more yeah, quality. The, the remaster is also on Spotify. Okay. Um, and it's noticeable. I yeah. w- when they announced that they were doing that, I was thinking like, oh, what, how much of a difference could there really be? The bass is more prominent. The mix is just clear all around. Which, it, honestly, I didn't even think it needed a remaster. But I'm not complaining. Uh, it, it sounds great, but these songs were just so like aggressive. Like they, it still has a pop punk. It's it's still technically pop punk. Like I can't classify it as full punk, but they really scaled back the pop part. And like you said, they they made the album that people were giving them crap for when they made Dookie, and it in my opinion worked insanely well and it's something that we have not gotten from the band before or since it's something it's a very unique album for them and a unique point in time and it really gets overlooked at live shows i think they need to bring back a lot of these songs i completely you know they should do they should put 80 and 86 back to back on the set list (laughs) just 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 for the hell of it I throw 16 in there too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, just have all home. the numbers going. And then 99 revolutions. We'll just get the entire set list of numbered songs. Yeah, like there's gonna be a number block, just those Between four. 16. Yep. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why not, right? Screw it. Let's just let, Green Day. If you guys are listening to us, just put it in your next show. Not that after the Hell Megator in Europe. Do the set list. Of just like the five songs with numbers in them in one part of the show. Just do that one segment and you have my heart forever. Just saying. 
Um, no, I, I think that'd be pretty funny enough. They did, but um, and bring back the t- the song Green Day. No, anyway, whatever. Um, you're right though. It is overall, overall, overall an incredible sounding record. Some of the best, some of the darkest writing that things have ever done, if I'm not mistaken, right? I I would say it's up there, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously, the question is, where does this rank amongst your Green Day albums, Kyle? So this is one of the ones that surprised me a lot. Oh my god. <laughs> Number five, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, Love Dookie for the reasoning that Insomniac, the highs, especially commercially, might not be as high as like the Dookie highs. I mean, you're talking like you have, like we said, Longview, Basket Case, When I Come Around, like the heavy hitters there, She. Yep. This one has also a bunch of heavy hitters, even the ones that are more deep cuts. But the deep cuts and I think on this album are better than the deep cuts on Dookie. Like in the end on Dookie, Sassafras Roots, Amenia, Sleepless, all they're all fantastic songs. I wouldn't classify any of them as filler songs, but I think that as a whole, to me, especially lately, and you know, it, it could change over time as my ranking for Green Day albums generally does. But for me, I think this one is a little more consistent front to back. Like when I listened to it the other day, it just blew me away. It was like that. It was such a good listen. I, I listened to it twice in a row. It, it just flows so well. There's not a single point in the album where I find myself being like, oh, can't wait for the next thing. It's just consistent throughout. I think that pound for pound, because of the more deep cuts on it, I gotta give it the edge over Dookie just slightly. I can't believe you just did that. No, I'm just kidding. I know. Most <laughs> it's all it's all good. We can't. I, I don't I don't even know how I mean singing Sundack is better than Dookie. I mean, you know, <clears throat> to be fair, there are <clears throat> my voice is shot, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um it's just sore. But like some people say that this is their best record too. Because some people really love this record. They think, oh, it's the best Green Day record. I've, I've heard people say that on yeah. the I'm not, not saying they're wrong. But I'm, you know what? I, I have mine at number five as well. And just for the same reasoning you put, it's still, it's still in the 90s. We're still in like that midst of pop punk. And the offspring starting to kick off with what Green Day inspired a bunch of bands. They're all coming up to the scene now. I would say that I would put it number five. I'm putting mine at number five as well because of the reasons you listed and then some extra ones as well. Like just cause just cause it, it is such a unique record. It is very different. Truthfully, it's a very different record, but it, there, you're right. We have heard nothing like it or nothing since then. Thus it is my number five. I, I also just want to put in there real quick that yeah. I forget when it was it a year, maybe two years ago now. Yeah. Uh, Billy did. I think it was an interview, whatever it was. He had said, that if they ever did a sequel to an album, he would want to make Insomniac too. If they were ever to do a sequel, I oh, doubt really? it would ever happen. Right. But it, just the fact that they still hold the album sound like very dear to them. I think it, I think it says a lot. It's really definitely an outlier in their discography here. I completely agree. Um, I really do think that it's it, it definitely, 
it, it it's up there for sure as a nineties, you know, song. I don't know, a 90s album. It was, it, and it was the album after Dookie, so you know it was gonna do well. But like it just didn't and then it was just their answer to the critics. A lot of a lot of unique stuff to it, truthfully. I I love it a lot, but that's me. See, well, that's that's another part of this album is and the reception that it got, it didn't get a, a very warm reception when it came out because you're right. You're following Dookie. I mean, you're following one of honestly the biggest albums of, of all time. Yep. One of the most beloved albums in the genre, at least. How do you, how do you do that? You're not gonna be able to please people after that. And I think that this is one of those albums that as years went on, people have learned to appreciate it more. I agree. Actually, I really do. Uh, so now let's <clears throat> let's jump to the late '90s. Let's talk about Nimrod. Nimrod from 1997. Um, truthfully, I'm gonna just shed some light on it really quick. This album has so much experimentation on it. I think in response to Insomniac, they were like. We need to change it up a little bit. We need to release an acoustic ballad as a single. Mm-hmm. Get that in a little bit. But where, how would you talk about, what's your take on Nimrod, my friend? Pretty much what you said. I mean, the experimentation on this album, by far, their most experimental album to date in their career, potentially their most experimental as a whole. Uh, yeah. In their entire discography i mean you got songs with the harmonica you got songs with the horn section uh, you got like a, a smooth jazz instrumental on it. it you have a song where he's doing like metal growls it's the amount of genres and different sounds that they hit on on this album is very impressive uh it's their longest album up to this point correct i don't think it's their longest in their catalog i think 21st century breakdown might be a bit longer in terms of runtime uh, but 18 songs um the track list as a whole i love that they didn't end it on good riddance mm-hmm. they could have done the cop out let's end it on the acoustic ballad but they didn't what i love about it is they um they put a prosthetic head as the closer because after you hear good riddance you're like Oh, you know, that's the end of the album. Then you hear the way it kicks in that intro is like, mm-hmm. oh, there's another song that goes out with a bang, which I really like. I agree. One thing I will say about this album in a, a negative way, but it's not towards the album itself. It's I think that they picked the wrong songs to be singles with the exception of Good Riddance. Mm, okay. I think that there were a couple other choices that could have been better. I think Nice Guys Finish Last is an okay song for a single. I think that Scattered would have been a much better choice. I agree. Uh, there are some great songs that I understand why they weren't singles. But I mean, my so my high points of the album are actually none of the singles. I would put mine as Uptight, Walking Alone, uh, Scattered, which Scattered does still make live appearances. Yes. And The Grouch. The Grouch is my favorite song on here. It's so good. <laughs> and the older you get, the more <laughs> the more you relate to it. But 
I think that the the deep cuts of this album is really where it shines. And lyrically, I think it's some of his best, even though he said he would never write an album the way he did this one again. He didn't go into the studio. This is the only album he went into the studio without lyrics finished. And uh, it doesn't seem like it was a pleasant experience for him. Yeah. But I think it worked out. I think lyrically it's, it's very solid, especially that's the reason that I put songs like Uptight, Scattered, and Walking Alone in there as my top ones. Same thing all the time and Worry Rock are fantastic. Yep. Uh, the only two low points I would put on here for me are Take Back and Last Ride In. Okay. But man, the Take Back mostly because it's... I don't listen to Green Day for like the, the growls. Trust me, I love that kind of music. Um, a lot of music I listen to is that I just don't think it necessarily worked out in the context of this album. Last Ride In is it's good. It's a nice little background thing. Don't necessarily need it. But uh, I, I love this album. Um, I love the experimentation. I think this is where we started to see the Green Day that still exists today. I don't think we'd have the Green Day that is around today if it wasn't for the experimentation on this album. And that's just my conjecture, but I think that this is where they really discovered that, oh yeah, we can, we don't have to just be a straight punk or pop punk band. We can experiment with our sound more. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, experimenting with sound was a, a key factor. I mean, starting off with just the track listening really quick. Uh, nice guys finish last, hitching a ride. The Grouch, as you said, you the more you get older. Uh, redundant, great track. Scattered, incredible. All the time. Warrior Rock, Platypus, I hate you. It just makes me laugh sometimes. So it's really, it's, it makes, it's really fast, too. I forget how fast it is. Uptight's great. Last foot in the instrumental, I like it a lot. Jinx. Uh, Hashishinka, how do you say that? Hashinka? <laughs> Hashinka, let's just go with that. Yeah. Uh, walking alone, I thought was great. When I was going back to it, I was like, wow. Uh, reject, take back, king for a day is just hysterical. It's just a fun, stupid, hysterical song, king for a day. Um, uh, good riddance, time of your life, and prosthetic head. Just full disclosure, <clears throat> just a personal backstory, really quick, with good riddance and time of your life. The day I was born, Kyle, the day I was born. My mother and father were on their way to the hospital, and the f- song that came on the radio, the last song that was on the radio that was on um, before they went in was Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. So my birth has, my birthday has always been associated with that song for some reason. It is in my top 25 favorite songs of all time because of that reason alone. Um, <coughs> and I don't know if you knew this. I was looking at the history of the song, Good Riddance. Apparently, he written it a couple of years beforehand. Yes, it was actually written uh, around the Dookie, the days of uh, Dookie. I think it was after Dookie came out, but between Dookie and an Insomniac, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I can see why they wouldn't have put it out with Insomniac, if that's the case. It definitely wouldn't have fit in there. Uh, yeah. There is floating around an earlier version of the song. It sounds pretty much the same for the most part. Right. But you can find that or floating around there. Um, I was gonna say, just want to let you know. I, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but the you you play bass, you play guitar. I, I wasn't sure 
uh, if you had heard about this or not, but the song actually um, was, for those of you who play guitar and know this song, the key song is in the key of G. It was originally, and I found this out, it was originally in the key of G flat. I don't know if you ever knew that. I was I I looked yeah, at that that's at one not point. Too surprising. Um, yeah, that's not too surprising. They up until I think it was Nimrod. Their songs were usually a half step down. They usually played Dookie and Somniac right. and things before that. I think Nimrod was the first album where they started going standard tuning for most of it. So that's not surprising to me that they would have uh, took the key down uh, took the key up a little bit. Right. And I do think that Nimrod, I think this album is really where he started to shine as a as a singer. I think his voice on this album, it, it's fantastic. Uh, I think it's probably his best vocal performance to this point in their career. There's more, rather than just pop punk vocals, there's more examples of him being just a, a solid singer rather than just a good pop punk or punk vocalist, you know? Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, but just one more thing about Good Riddance really quick. Um, was that the... Um, I, I, I don't mean the tuning was in G-flat. I mean the key was in G-flat. Yes. That's what I found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, wasn't sure, I wasn't sure if I made that clear or not. But, like, um, but yeah. They're talking about experimentation, right? Playing in G-flat. Ooh. I do Ooh. also, if we're talking about Good Riddance, yeah. we can't ignore the what really blew the song up. That Seinfeld finale. Yes, the last uh, episode of Seinfeld. That's really crazy. that's what made this song into the staple that it is today. Yep. Really brought it into like the cultural mainstream. But I'm glad it did. A funny story to me about this song is so when, when this album came out, I was what like two years old. Um, but in elementary school when i first got into the band it was american idiot got me into the band which we'll get into later but good riddance when i went out and then because after you know american idiot i went out bought the albums before it and when i got nimrod i got to good riddance and you know of course i'd heard the song around all the time it's massive song how could you not hear it right it came on i was like this is green day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just like took me aback because I never really thought about it before, you know, being a kid. And it came on, it's like, wow, I never would have guessed this is Green Day. So I just remember like coming to that epiphany while the album was on. I was like, wow. And that was kind of one of my first really realizations that like this band can really do anything. Yeah. I mean, they, they've proven themselves that they can do anything they, they put their mind to. So. Yep. Um, any other comments before we rank Nimrod by chance or no? Um, no, just that I've always loved this album uh, ever since the day I got it. Yeah. Uh, production wise, it's great. It yeah. holds up very strongly. And, um, you know, I, absolute, absolute uh, iconic album. I think that it, I think it's up there with their best. Um, why I put it at number four. <laughs> you had to be scared. I was like, wait, is he going to say number seven? What's going on here, buddy? Number number 13. No. The, no, no, no the worst album they've ever made. 
Um, I will say this too. I'm just really my, mine is at number four as well. Oh, just a solid album. It really, really showed their experimentation. Where they ended up going was from the result of their exper- experimentation here. Um, it was released, I just want to point this out, on October 14th, 1997. And I was born on October 15th, 1998. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Thank you, Nimrod. <laughs> um, but yeah, all around just a stone cold classic. And mine is at number four as well. My ranking number four for Nimrod. Are you ready to go to warning? Yep. Oh boy, warning. My my personal opinion, mm-hmm. their experimentation of good riddance and the acoustic guitar really cemented them to say, let's try and make an album that has more acoustics in it. Yes. Am I wrong or right? <laughs> oh, no, you're 100% right. That's a big thing with this album. And real quick, you just made me uh, just want to segue back to Redundant for a minute. Mm-hmm. A, a uh, recording, a different mix, an alternate mix of Redundant actually just surfaced the other day from, I think it's from 98. Oh, wow. Um, I think it's when they were toying with releasing it as a single, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But it seems that the success of Good Riddance there's a lot more acoustic guitar prominent in that mix of redundant. It reminds me of if you put redundant on warning, what it probably would have sounded like. So I do think that was a conscious decision going into warning. This was also their album only executively produced by Rob Cavallo. They mainly were the producers for themselves on this one, whether or not that's a, that was a good choice. depends who you talk to um like you said they definitely experimented more with acoustics here pretty much the entire album is acoustically driven there's really not much distortion on here at all that doesn't mean it's a bad album i think this album has some great songs but this one i was talking about how insomniac had that 180 effect on me so did this album but in the opposite way when I was younger, I absolutely adored this album. I loved it. Now, when I listened through it again, and like as years went on, I noticed it. But then when I went back and just was really thinking about it, it doesn't hold up as well to me, especially now. I don't know. There's something about it. It just doesn't stick with me as well. Don't get me wrong. That's like Church on Sunday incredible song cast yeah. away hold on is one of the you know top tier probably my favorite on the album honestly and then you got your singles waiting minority even warning uh, it's a good album still i just think that they took the experimentation in the way that maybe they shouldn't have um and really after this album this album kind of flopped a bit and uh really kind of made them reevaluate themselves as a band afterwards. Yeah. I mean, it, I really like, I really, it is a solid album overall. I mean, if you really like break it down, let's look at the track listing while we're at it too. Uh, Warning, great opener, blood, sex and booze church on Sunday, fashion victim uh, castaway. The lyrics written by all of them on misery. I found out. Uh, Deadbeat Holiday, Hold On, Jackass, Waiting, Minority, and Macy's Day Parade. Yeah. 12 songs, 
So I just want to hit misery real quick before I forget okay. about it. It's my low point of the album. Okay. I think that as a song and a songwriting perspective, it's great. I love what they do from a storytelling perspective. It's just kind of a drag to get through sometimes. Okay. That's just my opinion. It's not that I dislike the song. I think that it really shows talent as storytellers on it. But it just kind of drags. It has like that folk sound to it, which I'm not really into. Just want to hit on that real quick. The rest of it, uh, Macy's Day Parade, really kind of their first political song, mm. which is great to see. I think that they're I, at their best when they're passionate about stuff. And I think that um, that was really the start. I agree. I mean, I I, I didn't know. I actually, The more I listened to it, I, I didn't realize Macy's Day Parade was that political. I didn't realize what it was until. It's not terribly. Yeah. It's not like the most overtly political, but it's definitely like their first foray into like toying with that kind of style of songwriting. And, yeah. and it works. Um, that's pretty much my take on the album is it has great songs. It's just a stylistic choice that kind of like Insomniac was, you know, uh, an outlier in their career for that sound. This one is as well, but not for as not for a good reason in in my books anyway. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. I mean, you know, I was I want I I didn't know it was until you just said that truthfully. <coughs> Excuse me. But um the standouts for me personally are Warning Church on Sunday. Um was it Warning Church on Sunday. Uh Waiting Minority and um basically just cuz like only 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 reason because it was a lot. It was a. It was an album. They closed the album on a quiet note, not a loud note. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that always just stuck with me for some reason. But that's me. Um, no, Macy's Day Parade is a, a fantastic song and a great closer. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Um, but for some reason, whenever I'm listening to my Green Day in my car, I'm like, they warning church on Sunday, waiting minority, all just like hit me hard, and I love it. I'm driving fast, you know, whatever. But <laughs> so. Great, those are the standards to me personally. Um, the rest of the album, it's just I'm not, I, I go, it was my first time listening to, to it all the way through recently for this one, but it's still a solid album overall. I do, it is a, it is a really good record overall, truthfully. Um, so yeah. Um, any other comments for warning by chance? I think that pretty much hits on all my main points from it. It's just the, <sighs> It's not, he said, uh, when they see a parade, not a loud ending. And I think that, I think that works for this album. Usually I'll criticize bands when they do the cop out, slow acoustic ballad ending. Right. But for an album like this, I think it works because the, the album itself is not loud. There's, there's nothing that you would classify like as a, like loud on this album, except maybe the ending of waiting where it kicks back in like that. Yeah. Um, other than that, it, songwriting wise, it's it's very good. Just like on Misery, like songs like Hold On, there's great songwriting on display. It's not a bad album by any means. I just think that it was a direction that may not have been the right step for the band to go at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, the low sales at the time really reflected that and really did make them, I think in interviews they've said that it was the one time that they weren't sure of their 
future as a band or whatever they said about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and when we get to American Idiot, it did that album did save their career literally if you think about it. So yeah. Um, where does <coughs> excuse me? I'm still coughing like crazy. I'm sorry. Where does Warning rank for you, my friend? So for all those reasons, I'd probably have to put it at ten because I. I don't find myself going back to it as much as I did years ago. Okay. I go back to certain songs on it, but then other ones I just, it, I'll listen to them like on shuffle, but I won't, I don't purposely seek out to listen to warning very much lately. So yeah. for that reason, I, I'd have to put it at 10. Also something like production wise. I wish there was a little more distorted. I don't need fully distorted loud guitars all the time, but I think a whole album of, acoustically driven guitars was a little much so i'd have to right. put it at 10 okay that's fair I, I i put it a little bit higher than you i put it number seven only because it is still that early 90 early in their career in 90 you know green day vibe to me personally um i do like it you know enough to put it that high like but it's because it's, it's before they completely got like Super duper mainstream, you know what I mean? Because they were still mainstream, but then they took a dip with this one. I think um, well, I'm actually a big fan of when bands in general, like they break, they they do things during certain parts of their career, like like during like a creative rut, if you will, like during a creative like different process, and they make albums like this. I, I like the I like when like I just give you an example, like when Aerosmith came back, like the late mid to late late like like seventy nine eighty. They were going to really rough patch. They made some good albums, good mm-hmm. stuff, but it wasn't like it's it's just interesting to see how like that stuff happens with certain bands. Like they, they were so popular, then they fell down and then they got they picked back up, of course. But this yep. happened with Green Day as well. And I feel like this is the album that did that. But for me, it's at I number agree. seven. So. I agree. I, that's a pretty fair placement worth. I think most people would probably put it. I think that, like you said, I, it's very interesting. I couldn't imagine their career without it. I don't think that if they didn't have the flop of this album, I don't think they would have blown up again a few years later. I think that this was really like what really kind of like the, the kick to be like, all right, we got to, we got to fire on all cylinders for the next one. Yeah. And, and they, they sure did. Um, I will say this too, as far as like, um, I feel like this album had to, I also just want to sign up before we get to the next album. Um, I feel like, this era of Green Day had to quote unquote die to get the era that we got. If that makes any sense to you, being the I, era, this is I agree with that. I um, agree with that. And when we get to the end of this, I'll I have a little thing I want to say about the different eras of the band as a whole, but I'll save that till the end because I think that it's a uh, pretty interesting. Goes along with the point that you just made. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, but let's. Man, <laughs> you ready to talk about it? Oh, yeah, let's get into it. One of the biggest, most commercially successful albums of the 2000s, my friend. I would argue of all time. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I would, I second that actually. It's definitely one of the biggest, most culturally incredible, like just albums of all time, known as American Idiot. I'm going to just pull up the tab here. American Idiot. Bill. Uh, not Bill. Kyle. I'm thinking my other show for a second. Kyle. American Idiot. 
Talk to me. This was the album that that did it for me. This was the album that not only got me into the band, but also got me really into music in general. As uh, pretty much everyone that knows me knows, uh, music is a massive part of my life. Um, this is the album that did that. Uh, the year it came out, 2004. I remember I was at a daycare at the time and my buddy brings in a CD player and he's like, you got to check out this CD that I just got. I'm like, okay. You know, at the time I was still a music fan, but it was mostly things like that I would listen to in like my dad's car, like Metallica, Ozzy, Rush, Boston, you know, your usual things like that. And I love that stuff. But I put the headphones on my head uh, the opening chords to American Idiot kicked in. And that's it right there. I was hooked from the opening chords of the album. I went out that weekend, the first album I ever bought with my own money and bought the album. And that, that was it sent me on a whole other, you know, that, that changed my life really. Um, even the album cover iconic. And it even showed just even putting the word presents in there, like Green Day presents American Idiot. It's like, you know what you're getting. You're getting an epic ride start to finish. There's a reason that it got the Broadway musical, whether or not people like that is, you know, that's on them. I think that it works very well. The story is very well done. Um, really, from warning to this, is such a change and it's a change I think needed to happen. And like we just said, I don't think it's a change that would have happened had warning not been kind of the failure that it was. And with that, I just want to point out that there was the step of cigarettes and Valentine's yep. in between. Supposed, supposed, because there's a, I don't believe their story. And I think that pretty much everyone's on the same page with that. Now that the album got that the masters of cigarettes and Valentine's got stolen from the studio. I think if that happened, it would have leaked long ago. I think that they completed the album and it's just not what they wanted to release. That's my opinion on it. I'm hoping that someday we do get to hear what that album would have been. And it's pretty much confirmed that we have heard, certain songs from it in different forms, like some of the Foxborough hot tub songs, some of the, the network songs that was a side project right. prior to American idiot coming out. Um, some of the bonus tracks from American idiot, they played cigarettes and Valentine's live and put it on the live album during the 21st century breakdown tour. Mm-hmm. I would love a studio version of what that album would have been. Mm. Now in the meantime, I just want to fill in the gaps between warning and American idiot real quick. If that's all right with you. Take your time. Between those, you could tell the band was in kind of a, a rut after warning by the fact that we got a greatest hits album. And at the time, greatest hits albums, and even today a little bit were mainly put out by bands that were kind of on the downslope, trying to cash in on, you know, old songs which they greatest hit albums made a lot more sense at the time there's a reason that we don't really see many bands doing them anymore so they had international super hits and then they put out shenanigans 
which is a great compilation, but it's a bunch of B-sides. They're all very good. I, I just want to say that they're all very good and had one new song on it. But most people kind of count it as an album because a lot of people didn't even realize that it was B-sides because they were, you know, most people hadn't heard those songs. So for a band to release two compilations, it kind of just shows like, oh, they're kind of like floundering at that point. Like, where are they going to go from here? And then they come out with American Idiot. And Dookie was big, but it was no American Idiot. This album, I remember everyone had it. Everyone I knew had this album. Even people that only had like one CD at the time or whatever. It was American Idiot if they had one. It was so big. You couldn't get away from the songs. Specifically, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. To this day, you can't get away from. If I never heard Boulevard of Broken Dreams again, I'd be happy. <laughs> I am so played out on that song that the only time I ever listen to it anymore is when they play it live. I'm going to be honest. Um, I mean, because nowadays you can't get away from it anywhere. It still comes on mainstream radio, radio, comes on rock radio. It's old enough now where it comes on classic rock radio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can't escape it. But I mean, this album had, we're talking about experimental with, um, you know, Nimrod, Jesus of Suburbia and Homecoming, two nine minute epics on the same album, no less. Yes. And they do it seamlessly. It truly an astounding album. Every time I listen to it still feels like the first time I'm listening to it. I agree. Uh, It really brings back so many memories and, uh, Spotify needs to separate the songs. <laughs> That's all I'll say on that part, but it drives me nuts that they did that. Um, so many of the band's iconic songs to the point where half of their set these days is American Idiot and Dookie. There may be a little more than half at this point. And that's the songs are so good that that's not necessarily a bad thing. And they're so good live that they could play that for the rest of their career and no one would care. Like you see on the chat boards, like everyone like, Oh, they're playing the same set list again, but you go to the shows and all those people are like, I don't even care. It's it's still amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll let you take your turn on that one. Now (laughs) Just got to get that out there. I love this album. Uh, Brings back so many childhood memories absolutely iconic and uh i do just want to say when i talk about homecoming and jesus of suburbia homecoming gets overshadowed so much by jesus of suburbia yes maybe for you know good reason but i think the homecoming is a absolutely incredible song i actually slightly prefer it just ever so slightly but man what an album to come back with and not only be relevant like not only have a hit album but have had two hit albums and be massive in two separate decades is a feat that hardly any bands do yeah. and green day is one of the few it's hard to follow up with that <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to follow up everything that kyle has just said and then some i mean but what can you say about this album everything from the album artwork to the story 
through like the, the hit singles to the first single, which was the title track, American Idiot. And it was like, oh, Green Day's back. What, you know? Yeah. And, and what a song to come back with. Yes. I mean, at the time, you got you to gotta remember, like at the time, no one was making like political protest songs. Like it was a frowned upon thing. And people that did do it, a lot of times would get kind of shunned. Like, hey, we don't do like, we don't do this. So the fact that they were like, you know what? Screw it. We're coming back with an entire album that's essentially like a protest album for the time of the time yeah and it, and when massive with it it's it's astounding it's like if you if you look back if you look back prior to september 21st 2004 which is when the album came out if you look before it you say what american is the first single and i hear it's gonna be great and it's heavily politicized as well about whatever you you in your in my mind i'm like how are they gonna do that how is this album gonna work and then sure enough boom there it is they hit a grand slam to use baseball terms with this record they stole the show that needed to be stolen like and let's not forget american idiot it was their first hot 100 hit too i don't know if you knew that but like all the other radio hits were not Hot 100 hits. I don't know if you ever knew that. I did not know that. That's actually pretty shocking. <coughs> so, like, Good Riddance wasn't all, like, you know, not Hot, not hot 100. It was just regular airplay. Um, regular airplay. Um, Brains do best. In case those are all top the hot rock charts, but that mm-hmm. was it. Uh, this was their first. American Idiot, the single, was their first mainstream um, Hot 100 hit. And then Holiday hit the charts. Wake me up with September ends. We'll get to in a second. Uh, and she's the Boulevard of Broken Dreams won like Grammy record of the year. I mean, it, I know you, and you, I agree with you. It is played out a little bit, yes. But like, it's still, when you listen to it though, it still sounds fresh. Yes. And a hundred years when Green Day is sadly not with us anymore, they're still going to be having these songs played on the radio. Yes. They're, they're timeless songs and Rob Cavallo's production on it. Yes. I mean, the guy's a genius that, you know, it's really, you can't speak highly enough about Rob Cavallo and his production skills. It, uh, he, I think he really brings out the best in the band. And I don't know if you have seen, but they're essentially confirmed that they're working with him again on whatever they have coming up, which I am psyched for. Cause I, I think he is the producer for the band. I agree with that. I mean, 1972 hint hint nudge nudge mm-hmm. <laughs> 50 years coming um anyways <coughs> i digress so let's get into the track listing shall we for american idiot is i mean kyle has said enough about this record and i've said my share but and did i tell you this guy was good um american idiot jesus of suburbia broken into five parts called jesus of suburbia city of the damned I don't care. Dearly beloved tales of another broken home. Nine minute song broken into five minute, five parts broken into one song. Incredible too. holiday Boulevard of broken dreams. Are we the waiting St. Jimmy? Give me Novocaine. She's a rebel. Extraordinary girl. 
Letter Bomb. I want to get to that in a second, too. Wake Me Up When September Ends and Homecoming, which is broken up into five different parts as well. The Death of St. Jimmy, East 12th Street, Nobody Likes You, Rock and Roll Girlfriend, We're Coming Home Again, and What's Her Name? Damn, what a track listing. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly can't say that I have any specific high points of the album. It's, it's very rare that a, a band puts out a perfect album. Yes. This is, if not a perfect album, damn close to a perfect album. I agree, 100%. Without a doubt. And one thing that I, one of the things that I love about Green Day... Well, with, with American Idiot and 21st Century Breakdown, they did it to some extent with, with Revolution Radio. We'll get that when we get there. But um, it tells a story. It tells a narrative of a character, the Jesus of Suburbia, and it, it, he goes, this, what they, I, you got I think, I don't know if you knew this, but like they listen to Broadway musicals. They listen to the to Tommy by the Who. They listen to mm-hmm. Quadrophenia by the Who. They listen to a lot of U2 as well. If you heard of that as well. Just to experiment with different sounds, different storytelling, different narrative to make this album what it is today. And I am glad they did. <laughs> Absolutely. The only song, though, that, that does not coincide with the story, and I feel like they were looking for a hit single, truthfully, with it, but it, it's a very sad, true story of Wake Me Up When September Ends. Yeah. Because uh, for those who don't know, and the I, I, as great as memes are, that meme is not right in my opinion. It's about Billy's dad mm-hmm. and how he died when he was like ten, and you know, and whatnot. And um, it's just that's that's a more serious matter. And it's not really like wake me up with September It's not. It's not. It's not a meme. It should be recognized as something symbolic of his life, truthfully. So, yeah, and like you said, it, it is the one song that doesn't really fit the the theme of the album i mean you you can kind of twist it to make it fit in certain ways i think <coughs> the video did a very good job of doing that having yeah. it be like a guy going off to war and like you know like following september 11th mm. um but yeah really the song is about his dad i mean he there have been times where he's like choked up on stage about it yeah and it, it recently made a live comeback it was taken off at least in full for a couple of years that they didn't play the full song. Uh, occasionally he would do like the acoustic part, but it, it's a great song. Really, uh, really iconic, great hit. And yeah, like you said, the memes there, I'm sure he's not a big fan of that meme. <laughs> he even said, quote, I'm going to write it. I'm going to write an album. No, I'm going to write a song called what? shut the fuck when shut, 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 shut the fuck up when October begins or whatever, yeah. like word for word. He's tired. He's tired of it because it's about his dad. And and even so, it's just a played out meme at this point. Unfortunately, like every year the album is almost twenty years old. God, but yeah, almost twenty years old, and uh, it's still still going. <coughs> and while we're talking about the songs in particular, yes. what's her name as an album closer? Yes, so good. And what a good way to wrap up the story too. Like not just a good like not just good sonically and like songwriting wise. But such a good like wrap up to the album, being like just like a look back on on everything. I agree, man. It's just a. It's become such a staple of their live shows. A lot of the theatrical stuff they do live is based on this show. 
It's based on this album, excuse me. I mean, it's a solid album. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised at 2024 rolls around. Who say they don't do a 20th anniversary tour? I'd be down for it as long as they play some other stuff too, because they'll have some time to fill. But I'd yes. be 100% down for it. Uh, the other thing I want to point out, they did do that with Dookie at a couple shows. Yeah. Uh, couple years back. Things. That was, wow, that was almost 10 years ago now they did those. Um, but anyway, Jesus of Suburbia. That is still like the staple encore song of their set list. Yes. That's insane. The fact that a nine minute song has been a live staple since 2004. Yeah. And is a hit every night with both like hardcore fans and just casual fans. That's nuts. That's absolutely insane. Like usually when you have bands that are, that have songs like that and they're bigger songs, they're bands with relatively like what you would call like cult followings, like your prog bands, like, like Rush. Yep. Like it's very rare you see casual Rush fans at a show. When you're, when you're at a Rush show, it's all hardcore fans. It, just how it is. I've been to like a handful of them. And they were great, but you know what you're getting into there. The fact that Green Day can play a nine-minute song every night and everyone is into it and absolutely loves it is a staple to how good the song is. I agree, man. <clears throat> I agree. Um, was it, there was one thing I wanted to mention about... Um, oh, man, what was it? Anyways, it's about, it about like the actual... like the American. You didn't see the American Idiot tour, did you? The like the actual tour or the Broadway show we're talking about? The tour in 2004 and five. No, no, I was I was still young at that point. Um, yeah, because you're. So no, I, I missed that unfortunately. Because yeah, I'm younger than you, I and mean, that's no slur to you at all. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> so yeah, I get it, JT. I'm older, right? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, buddy. Um, but I mean, if they did like an American Idiot like 20th anniversary tour in 2024, I mean that'd be crazy as well because like, it'd be 20 years since the album came out they just play the whole thing from start to finish dude <laughs> you have my money so that'd be cool um overall stone cold classic one of the greatest albums of the decade of the 2000 2000s in general still holds up still is an incredible album from start to finish sounds fresh as can be can't believe we're gonna do this. Where does this rank amongst your green thick albums? I'm actually kind of scared, but all right. Well, after everything I said about it, oh no. <laughs> uh, well, no. So I also we were talking about eras and warning. I just want to say that reinvention-wise, not only their sound got reinvented, their entire image was reinvented at this point. Yes. When you look at American Idiot onwards versus the 90s Green Day, and even like you know, 2000 with warning. It's like a completely different band in a way. Um, but with all the love that I gave this album, isn't it obvious where I put this, JT? Number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I hate to say this, but I kind of knew that based on where we're going. But yep. um, <clears throat> I don't blame you. It is one of when I feel like when people think of Green Day, they might actually think of American Idiot more than Dookie, truthfully probably uh, almost assuredly at this point the younger fans I, anyway 
at this point, like like the kids who are like, oh, what's that song? Like, yeah, put some temperance, whatever, right? Or sugar, we're going down at this point, right? <laughs> like that's old too. If we forget how old that is, mm-hmm. um, but you're gonna think I'm crazy, and I think this is where I think I don't know if you th- I don't know if you would think this of me. Full disclosure, Kyle, this is my number one. I'm not surprised. I would say it's most people's number one. I would say it's okay. like 90, 80 to 90% of people's number one. Okay. And, and for, for all the reasons we listed, it is, it is a staple of their live shows. This title track from all, every song on the album, from the Grammys it won to 16 million copies sold worldwide of one album, certified six times platinum as of 2013. Stone Cold Classic, Pop Punk Opera, if you've not heard this album, get on it now. Let's put it that let's put it that way. So it is my number one album for Green Day. But we have to keep going. There's only so much time we have in the world for this. Let's talk about their next album. Came out five years, five, five years later, right? Five years later. Uh yep, yep, 2009. And this. I'm going to go first because I know you have a lot to say, but I will say this. But full disclosure, if you have not, if you want to go more in depth with this next album, 21st Century Breakdown, <coughs> we're not going to spend too much light on it, but because full disclosure, we did a, our very first episode of Career Retrospect as we talked about this album in its entire fucking hour. So check it out there too. Um, <clears throat> this album when I read, I read a critic review recently, just when the album first came out, like two thousand. I read Rolling Stone's review of it, and one of the things, one of the things that caught my attention was, this is the same band that once said, on record, that like I've got no motivation. Where is my quoting like, Longview? This is the same band that wrote Longview that made American Idiot and Twenty First Century Breakdown. Because their review was like five stars, like album of the year, best album they've ever, you know, whatever. I love this record. It is a great album. It is an hour and nine minutes long. I don't care how long it is. It's a great album. Broken into three acts. Kyle, share some love. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going to keep this one relatively short because of the, yes. the video that we've done previously on it. Now, we just talked about how great American Idiot was. Um, this album, while not being as iconic and ha- not having nearly as many hits as American Idiot, correct? It took what American Idiot did and built on it. Mm-hmm. Now, people can argue, oh, they just tried to make American Idiot again. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yes, it's another like concept album in a way, but it's not like a story like American Idiot was, it's more of a loose concept. And man, this album, front to back, is, full disclosure, my favorite album of all time. I Every time I hear this, like American Idiot, it's like the first time I'm hearing it all over again. It's so good. The production on it, I'm going to say it's my favorite production, like production-wise, Green Day's best album best they've ever sounded the amount of care and work that went into this album is absolutely insane it's i mean billy's gone on record saying that making this album was 
extremely difficult on him. Now, I do wish that it performed better on the charts. I think that uh, Butch Vig was, I would love to see them work with him again. Having said that, I think that them going back with Rob Cavallo is the right choice at this time. Uh, if we ever do get another Butch Vig produced album again, I'll be very happy. I think he did it incredible on this. But man, just like American Idiot, every song on this, incredible front to back. Flows so well. Can't say enough about how good it is. Uh, you know, if you want to hear like more of my in-depth thoughts on it, you can go back and listen to or watch our previous uh, video podcast on it. But really, they kicked up what they did on American Idiot. The amount of just overlapping guitar parts, acoustics, piano on here. Yeah. Billy's vocals on this, I think, are the best overall performance he's ever given on vocals on an album consistently. He sounds incredible front to back. Um, we had the longest wait between Green Day albums ever from American Idiot to this point, given we did get Foxborough Hot Tubs like halfway through, and that was a fun side project as well. But God, the songwriting on this album, it, I don't think can be rivaled by anything that they've done before or since with the exception of American Idiot. Um, but even then, this song has, I mean, this album has three of my favorite Grande songs of all time on it. Uh, 21st Century Breakdown, the title track, what a way to open the album coming off song of the century like that. Um, American eulogy. Another one of my favorites. Uh, I feel like it doesn't get as much love as it should. And uh, the static age. Great song. I will say about this album. I don't think much like Nimrod. I don't think the singles were picked very well. I agree. I think that 21st century breakdown fantastic single choice uh given it is slightly long for a single at at the time 2009 uh you know that's when songs really started to be shorter on the radio i agree east jesus nowhere i think was a pretty good choice 21 guns excellent choice even though it got overplayed to death um know your enemy i thought was a terrible choice now keep in mind this was the lead single of this album this album was also the first time as a Green Day fan that I got to experience an album cycle beginning, like from the beginning. Mm. I remember I happened to be homesick from school the day Know Your Enemy dropped. I had no idea it was coming out. All of a sudden, it was just like, oh, there's a new Green Day song. I was like, oh, keep in mind, this is like you know, 2009 and internet and social media wasn't exactly what it is today. Mm -hmm. So I just happened to see it online. I was like, oh, no way. I listened to it and I thought, wow, I am super let down by that after what American Idiot was. I was expecting so much bigger. So I think that they should have done something different for that. Like before the lobotomy, I think should have been a single. I think Last Night on Earth would have made a great radio single. But anyway, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up there just because of, you know, we've touched on this album so much. The only song that I would put as a potential low point, but I think it works in context of the album itself, Christian's Inferno. Okay. It works in context of the album. 
it's not really the, the greatest song on there if we're going to be honest but I, I adore this album i have so many great memories with it and i would love to see the return to form in like this style at some point and if we get that i'll be happy and if not that's fine too i still have this album Hmm. well i agree with you that the the single i agree with you on the single the the 21 guns being released a single very smart choice yes um ishis is nowhere it's a it's like it's four minutes long could it have been a good single i don't know offhand 21st century breakdown i agree it's a great choice for a single they could have they could have. Did they do a radio edit for it or no? Uh, I don't believe there's a radio edit. So the thing with 21st Century Breakdown, the single choices is most of the songs people don't even. Oh, so there was a single edit. It was not much shorter. Just cut down the intro, I believe. Um, yeah. What a lot of people don't realize is a lot of songs that were singles, people don't even realize were singles because they didn't do that well. Right. Uh, Unfortunately. They did do a great live performance. I forget what award show it was of East Jesus Nowhere. Might have been the Grammys. But uh, that was good. Last of the American Girls is an okay choice, I guess, but it's a little, I don't know. Wasn't that about Billy's wife at all? I forgot yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some. St- I mean, this is your favorite album of all time. This is your favorite Green Day album of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, some the standout tracks for me, and I'll get to my, my, why I love it so much in a second too, but uh, t- title track, 21st Century Breakdown, Know Your Enemy, Viva La Gloria is phenomenal. It really showed how they can do the yeah. piano well. Yep. Um, Last on Earth, I think, is a great ballad, truthfully. I mean, Last on Earth, I think, is just, it's it's wonderful. Tr- Close out their Heroes and Cons section. Uh, East Jesus Nowhere is, is just, I think it's violent. It's just a violent, mm-hmm. guitar-driven song. I love it. Uh, I do like Last of the American Girls a lot, actually, truthfully. Um, Viva La Gloria, Little Girl, is a, it's like part two, I guess, you could say, to Viva La Gloria. Still great though. Um, and what's the other one? Like, um, um, it's and Twenty One Guns. You know, it's funny. Twenty One Guns. I don't know if you found this interesting or not, but Twenty One Guns <clears throat> charted on the Hot One Hundred number twenty one. The song is called Twenty One Guns. It is five minutes and twenty one seconds long, and on top of that, it is on an album called Twenty First Century Breakdown. <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever storm. picked up on that, but that's I just thought that was so fascinating. It's a perfect storm. And yeah. Also, just want to say, just thinking about 21 Guns, just thinking about the overall era of the band here. Yeah. It, not only is this my favorite, like musically, my favorite album, aesthetically, they're like their merch designs, the their tour, uh, like backdrops. Uh the album artwork on this ever like the liner notes all the artwork associated with this and the style of the band like the their outfits themselves yeah by far my favorite like aesthetically the aesthetically wise era of the band yeah and i, I gotta say just just sort of side ending with see the light and the ending the ending of that song loops back to 20 the opening of 21st century breakdown with the opening of the chords there yeah and american eulogy same thing with song of the century so yep. I love that they end it with those two callbacks. Like this is, again, guys, this is the same band that was saying, I got no motivation. Where is my motivation in Longview? It's the same exact band. 
they did they matured they grew up so well i love it i love this album just but the question is my friend where well you kind of already said it but like but just for the record where does 24th century breakdown hold up for you as Green Day Records comes comes along. Number one. It's got to be number one. It's got to be. Uh, if we're talking, like, so with my list, it's all purely uh, my opinion on my, my list here. Like, I'm not taking into consideration how well albums did or, like, cultural impacts. Because, I mean, if, if we're talking cultural impact, it's got to be American Idiot. But for me personally... 21st century breakdown it it's the green day album i put it at don't kill me no 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 it, 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 it's in my it's actually number two all right it is my number i two. thought you were gonna say number 13 for a minute there it is my number 14 album i put shenanigans <laughs> above it clearly um 110 there no 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 i'm just kidding um honestly though i will say this everything from the production again if you can go back and listen to our initial our initial episodes of career retrospectives the production the introduction of other instruments the usage of different sounds different effects they're continuing off of american idiot and to be fair i looked up this um you mentioned about the chart success as far as the hot 100 goes they're really only only known for know your enemy and 21 21 guns yeah. Uh, from this album, but I will say this: the actual, uh, what do you call it? The actual uh, charting of the album, it charted number one, like all, all across the world, like J- J- yeah. Japanese number one, Italy, Australia, no, no number two. The, the Billboard 200, it was like Spanish, Spain, like the UK. It was one of their best charting albums because it was coming off American Idiot. Oh yeah, coming off American Idiot, and then and they didn't drop the ball coming no. off American Idiot either. Whereas. Uh, I wouldn't say they dropped the ball personally, in my opinion, as we saw with my place on the list, but like Dookie into Insomniac. Yeah. was a little jarring. Like I, they didn't so much build on Dookie as they did just make a completely different sound. This album, they took American idiot and said, we can do more with that. Yeah. And they did. They really pulled it together really well. And, it was just an overall incredible, like just a. I'm gonna. I don't use this word often, but I'm gonna say this is a perfect album. I would. I would agree. It is my number two though, because I do love American Idiot, but this is my number two. And one last thing though, before we go on, this album I feel like doesn't get the credit it deserves because it was just it was it was a lot of work put into it. It was a full on a, a ton of work for the band, and they put out a product that they that I think should be shined on more than it already is. I, I could not agree more. Uh, I think even the band themselves, they need to bring these songs back into the set list. I mean, even they, if they open up with song of the century and then go to 21st century breakdown again, yep, I'd even be fine with that. Just please get rid of know your enemy. I don't need that <laughs> in the set list anymore. It's, it's fun when you're there. I would just love a different song for even throw in East Jesus nowhere. That song killed live. I, I do enjoy hearing 21 Guns live, though, so they, they can keep that one. Yeah. I would just like at least one song from this album other than the usual two. Now, I wouldn't, to be honest, I would not even mind, uh, what's the one? Lash the American Girls. Or even yeah, like, that'd be great, too. And literally anything. Give me anything from it again. Yeah. Or even the American Eulogy, anyone? <laughs> yeah. 
I would kill for that one. <laughs> exactly. I think I only but, heard uh, it live once in person. Lucky. I will say that. Lucky you. Um, anyways, 21st century breakdown. My number two, Kyle's number one. Let's and now let's talk about 2012's Uno from the trilogy, the beginning of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. You go first. I, I want to hear your input first, if that's okay. Yeah. So <laughs> the trilogy is a weird time to be a Green Day fan. I agree. Uh, it was. <laughs> I don't want to say it was bad. I don't think the trilogy is bad at all. I think no. it was very jarring coming off the 21st century breakdown and that whole tour, that whole aesthetic and era of the band. This ushered in a kind of tr- attempt to return to form of like the 90s sound. But the production choices were so weird. Yeah. The guitars are all clean for they're not even like clean like because warning was clean guitars like acoustic guitars these are clean guitars and it's just it's weird it's a weird stylistic choice that said there are absolutely incredible songs scattered throughout i've always been of the mindset that you could have taken the trilogy as a whole took the best songs from each album and made one absolutely incredible like 18 song green day album that would have done very well very well agree. 100%. Like, no doubt in my mind could have been a rival to the albums that came before it but as it stands now i have to review it as is it's a very stripped back album compared to american idiot twenty-first century breakdown and that's very noticeable on first listen yeah um high points to me nuclear family Fantastic way to kick off the trilogy and the album itself. Kill the DJ, I thought is great experimentation and it worked out very well. Uh, Rusty James, I, lyrically, I think it's great. It's a very nostalgic song. Uh, Loss of Control and Fell for You are also great. Mm-hmm. But then you have songs on here like uh, Sweet 16, I don't care for very much. I think it's very much a filler song. And Oh Love, the the uh, lead single of the trilogy itself, not only just Uno. I liked it at first, and now I skip it a lot. It's just very repetitive for being a five-minute song and a, yeah. kind of a weird way to end the album, I guess. As a whole, I do enjoy the album. I do enjoy the trilogy. It's just kind of not what I was expecting at the time from the band. I do come back to the trilogy very often, though. Uh, I will say that. And the Otis mix versions of the songs that they've released since then, uh, you know, certain songs, I think sound significantly better. Okay. Uh, they did, I think Fell for You was the first one they did. And then a couple of years later, they did Oh Love and a couple other songs. But uh, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. Is It's a good album. They tried to go back to more simple, like 90s style Green Day. I don't think they did it as well as they were hoping. Um, I think it would have benefited from better production. And that's pretty much where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, first off, writing a song in general is difficult. Writing a whole trilogy of albums to begin with, 
full credit to them. Well, that's one thing with Green Day is they, they've always been a band that when they're in the studio writes a lot of songs. Yeah. As most bands do. A lot of bands have that mindset going in that write together anyway. There are a lot of bands that one person predominantly writes and they go in to the studio with, you know, here's essentially what the album's going to be. Green Day is one of those bands that, that they'll write a lot of songs. I think during Nimrod, they had something like 30, 40 plus songs written. At some point, they said, same thing, 20th Century Breakdown, I'm pretty sure I had a lot. I think that 80 the for that. If I'm not difference mistaken. is, there's a reason that bands don't release every single thing that they write. With the trilogy, they were like, well, we have like 30 something songs that we, we kind of like all of these songs. So let's just throw 30 something, like almost 40 songs out to the world and three months yeah and yeah as a fan i'll take whatever they want to give me they can give me like 200 demo recordings and i'll be happy but in terms of an album i think that it was a cool experiment i do think this is a good first album for the trilogy yeah, you and i are pretty much on the same page here i mean and i, I <clears throat> full disclosure i mean i am the trilogy is a very unique part of Green Day's career. I mean, is it my favorite part? No, I mean, I'm more of like an American Idiot, 21st Century Breakdown, you know, Dookie, Insomniac. Like a lot of the earlier stuff, this, this to me personally, the trilogy is not like not my favorite part of the, their career, truthfully. I mean, I like what they did. Don't get me wrong. Do I like everything on it? No, I mean, oh, love, yeah, it's repeat, repetitive. Sweet 16, I agree with you. It is, it is what it is, unfortunately. <clears throat> but there's just, a lot of songs that are just not that memorable, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Uno does have the benefit of being the first one. And I do think there are more memorable songs on here than the other two, which we'll get into. But I think that this whole era also, you know, with Billy's uh, iHeartRadio incident and going to rehab, the whole mm-hmm. era kind of flopped and then they stopped releasing singles and videos, didn't promote the albums. It, really just a, a perfect storm of things that caused failure for the albums commercially, which I think is a shame. I think there are great songs on here. And it, I do like that Billy plays these songs with side projects when they, when he plays out, like he did with the long shot, he played a few of the songs. And so I like that even if green day doesn't play them live, he doesn't forget about them. That is good. I mean, that goes not, not, not just for this one, but for the whole trilogy as well. Yeah. So, um, but the question is, where does this rank amongst your Green Day albums? This, for me, um, I, I do come back to it more than I do for warning. Okay. Um, I would have to put it at number seven. Okay. All right. One below Dookie on my controversial list. <laughs> Very controversial. How dare you put Dookie that low? I'm just kidding. Um, as... The start of the trilogy, man. You put yours number seven. I'm gonna put mine here at number nine, only because I have other albums a little bit higher. Because <clears throat> the trilogy is just my full disclosure. It's my least knowledgeable part of Green Day, their whole career. Like it's, I mean, I, I'm I'm aware of it. I listen to these things all the way through. Like this album, uh, Uno Dos and Trey, but. Listening to them, I was like, these are just 
I was not as familiar with them to begin with in general. So I, I, I put them as low. I put Uno at number nine because of where, you know, it's, it's a good album overall. Don't get me wrong. And so, so is, you know, Dawson Trey, we'll get to in a second, but as far as like, just in, in my knowledge of the band, I was not familiar with the band at all during this time. Um, when they were, you know, touring and whatnot too, I had to go, I, I literally was like, Oh wait, I, they, when you first told me they released a trilogy, I was like, what? I was like, what? They released a trilogy of albums? You know? That happened to a lot of people. When I told them about it. Uh, I remember even like when it came out, like the year after it came out, I remember uh, I was at work one day and someone, we we're talking about music and I was like, oh yeah, Green Day's my favorite band. And they're like, oh, are they even still around? It's like, yeah, they just released three albums like five months ago. And they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh yeah, you wouldn't know because no one promoted them at all. But yeah, they have like 36 new songs that just came out. And that's what I mean. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? You know, I, I had no idea that they released Uno, Dos, or Trey until yeah. you said that because that's, that's just my own knowledge. But yeah, so for me, I put Uno at number nine. But that, that is for me personally. Uh, are you ready to go to Dos? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I don't know if we're ever going to be ready. Let's talk about Dos for a second. The, green, the second album of the Green Day trilogy. Mm. Um thoughts <laughs> i say that with precaution so uh i like dose as an album okay not as a green day album i think that if another band put this out it would be seen as a better album when you tie the green day name to it you listen to it and you think they could do better um it's definitely more and i think they've even said it themselves at some point this is essentially the second foxborough hot tubs album it has that garage rock vibe to it and it has some really good songs but it also has the lowest points of the trilogy by far in my opinion i think the title not title track the intro track see you tonight i don't like it all uh, it's one of the only, as I said before, there are three Green Day songs I just actively do not like. This is one of them. It just sounds like Billy whipped out his phone, recorded an acoustic intro, and then put it on the album. The rest of the songs, Nightlife, I don't mind the rapping on Nightlife. That's not my problem with it. A lot of people have a problem with Lady Cobra's rap. My problem is Billy's filtered vocals sound terrible <laughs> um and then there's just a lot of filler like wild one i will the otis mix version of wild one did make it a little bit better make out party these are like 30 40 year old men at this point yep <laughs> so the lyrics are just like weird cringy cringy lyrics uh ashley baby eyes and lady cobra and wow that's loud are all filler you know, you got song. Amy is a great song. I like it as a closer. Uh, but Stray Heart is very fun. I like it. The only single on the album. Yeah. And Stop When the Red Lights Flash was good. That was fun live. And then uh, Fuck Time, of course, it's predated the album by quite a few years because they used to play it as Foxborough Hot Tubs all the time. It, As I said, 
it's a good album. I think any other band would have been happy to put this out. And if another band put it out, I would like it more. But if I have to think of it as a Green Day album, it it's a bit disappointing. I will say real quick, I forgot to mention somehow, Lazy Bones is one of my all-time favorite Green Day songs in general. I think lyrically, it might be, mm, I don't want to say it's the best. It's up there with one of his best lyric, lyrically songs. Um, that's great. The Otis Mix version of that one made it somehow even better. So that's, that's, a, that's a plus on it. Going through this and listening to this from start to finish, uh, I was like, I got halfway through. I'm like, all right. Once I got to Stray Hard, I was like, okay, all right, all right. I mean, it's not terrible. I there's me personally. There's a lot of filler on here. Unfortunately, a lot of the filler is the second half. Like you just said, you got yeah, you got to Stray Hard. Yeah. After that. Is where kind of, for me anyway is where almost all the filler comes in. Yeah, unfortunately. But um, like, wait, Lady Cobra featuring wait wait, I, you gotta explain that. Song, to me. They have a song called Lady Cobra. Couldn't it's kind of like a lead into Nightlife, but Lady Cobra is a rapper from her group. Was oh my god. I can't remember the name right now. Like oh, Knights of the Mystic Cobra or something. There's something okay. like that. She's like a no, I don't want to say a nobody rapper, but she's like a she's not popular. Okay. I just first off saying that Green Day and rap to me they don't go together. Green Day is a Green Day, Green Day is a phenomenal rock band. I, I get if they want to feature someone on something, I get that, but this just did not make sense to me. At all, the <laughs> like, baseline is great. Oh yeah, aside, aside from that, yeah. But like, I, I did like Amy quite a bit. I mean, I just stop on the right, stop on the red lights flash. I mean, I liked it too. I just there's not and there's not too much on here that I would go back to. Like, if, I, if it was a life or death scenario, maybe. But like, aside from that, not really too much. Where does Dose rank amongst your Green Albums? So I put it number 12, uh, right above 39 smooth, just because of the production to me is a big aspect of music. And while I don't like the production of the trilogy and dose, I don't think is that great of an album. I find myself coming back to some of the songs a little more than 39 smooth. And I think that comes down to the production. So I had to put it over 39 smooth. Okay. This is my number 13 full disclosure. Yeah, I could see that. It's it's, uh, just, it's just not it's, it's like it's a weird point in the band's history. And I'm like, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, not really. Stray Heart's good, Amy's good, but the, the rest of it's like, what's happening? Yeah, it, it has its moments, but it's just weird choice for them. I think if they put it out as Foxborough hot tubs, people would be more receptive to it. I, I, I think so as well, actually. Now that I think about it. So um but yeah, let's talk about. So mine is at number thirteen. Yours at number what? Is it, number nine. Number or twelve. Number, number twelve. Sorry. So, all right. So we're pretty much we're pretty much on the same page. That. <coughs> Excuse me. We're still sick. Um, Trey. 
in 2012. This is a good. I, I I like this one a lot more than Dose and Uno personally. But I'd love to hear, love to hear what you have to say about Trey, which Trey Cool is the drummer, of course. <laughs> sure. So, uh, hmm. trying to think the best way to say it because um, I think it has the highest highs of the trilogy. I think the best songs of the trilogy, like my favorites of the trilogy, are on this album. Brutal Love. Yeah. I. I will die on the hill that Brutal Love is by far Billy's best vocal performance on any song. He kills it on that song. And it was great to see live on that tour. And I wish they would bring it back. X Kid is one of their top tier Green Day song. Uh, Dirty Ron Bastards, great. Um, Missing You, awesome. I think that this has the highest highs but a decent amount of filler as well in a way. Um, I agree. Like Little Boy Named Train, very much a filler song. Also shares some similarities with, um, oh, what song is it? I think it's Public Enemy Number 1 by Motley Crue. Okay. Um, not the first similar song to a Motley Crue song. There's a part in Jesus that's suburbia. It sounds just like on with the show. But anyway, um, it's so when they announced the trilogy and we're talking about it, they described it as Uno was like the lead up to a party. Dose was the party. And then Trey was like the, the end of the party, like day after whatever album. And I could see that. I think that that analogy does work for the trilogy, but they also said that Trey was going to be a more like epic orchestral album. I don't think it was at all. When they described it like that, I was, you know, people are anticipating, oh, maybe something more along the lines of 21st century breakdown type songs. It's not what we got. You kind of thought you're getting that when it starts with brutal love, but then it, that's pretty much it. Um, as a whole, I think it's great. Um, I, I don't think it's bad. I just think that there's some there's some filler on it that puts it a little little lower than here on me drama queen uh, has some weird lyrics uh, that i'm not particularly fond of right i think walk away is great uh that that one is rumored to be from cigarettes and valentines from years ago from those sessions but you know there's no confirmation of that you figure out one of the best tracks on the album 99 revolutions <laughs> So that it, it's up there for me. It's just yeah. not one of my uh, one of my top, but it's definitely definitely up there on the album. It's a good highlight. I like it. And, and like I said, they should take all the songs with numbers in them and make a number block at their show. They oh, have to do that. Have a new serenade on there too. Yes, we're gonna do like I'll oh, just <laughs> a deep cut central, just numbers. Green Day, if you're out there listening, do it on their new next tour. Go ahead after Hell Omega. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean. Brutal Love is really good. I like that one a lot. X Kid, I thought was great too. Uh, Dirty 99 Revolutions, I do like a lot. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I hear me like bopping out into the shower and when I when I put when I get ready in the morning. <laughs> um, Walk Away is great too. Um, overall, I got This is probably my favorite of the trilogy. Dose was uh, Dose was a step down. Una was really good, but Trey just holds up a lot more to me personally. Where does Trey rank for you? for your green day albums 
So for me, Trey is right under Uno at number eight. Okay. That's mostly because I think there's slightly more, for me anyway, slightly more filler on Trey than Uno. But I think Trey, I would agree that Trey has the good songs on Trey are better than a lot of the songs on Uno. But I think consistently I would have to give it to Uno a little bit more. So number eight for me. I agree. To me, personally, I put this at number eight as well, only because it is this. I, I believe it is the strongest of the trilogy. There's, there's enough good stuff on there to keep you entertained, that you keep you going as a listener. And it is a solid album. It, it is the best of the trilogy, in my opinion. But that is me. I do want to just say that yes. The Forgotten gets a really bad reputation for being featured in the twilight songs uh, movies oh yes (laughs) i don't think that's a big deal who cares they probably got a lot of money for putting for putting a song in that movie if someone asked me to to uh if they could use one of my songs in a movie even if i didn't like it i was like i'd be sure i'll i'll take the money why not why wouldn't you they were massive movies so people need to get off their high horse about that I agree, um, actually. I did think it was a little dumb to put Twilight in the actual music video. Oh, yeah. But that, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I I do very much enjoy Trey. Um, definitely a huge step up from Dose. I agree. And full disclosure, it did somewhat set up their next album, not Demolicious, but Revolution Radio, which I, I will get to in a sec, too. Are you ready to go to Rev, Rev Rad? Here we go. Yep. Let's go to Rev Rev. Rev Rad, not Rev Rev, whatever. Revolution Radio in 2016. Mr. Kyle, hmm. talk to me. Revolution Radio, buddy. So Revolution Radio is a big, big, big step up for me from the trilogy. I agree. Uh, they really went back to that sound um, of American Idiot 21st Century Breakdown type sound. I will say that the, I don't know if they had a falling out with Rob Cavallo. He pretty, he did produce the trilogy. I, my hunch is that he was more of a yes man on that. And that was mostly their decisions that he just kind of went along with. He did not produce this album. This was their, I believe only album completely self-produced. Yep. Because uh, he was still there as an executive for warning. The volume levels on this album are slightly confusing because let's look at too dumb to die. For example, the intro is incredibly quiet. And then when the instruments, when the full band kicks in, it gets insanely loud. And that's not the only example of this Uh, outlaws also has that as well, where parts of it are quiet and the loud parts are super loud. So I think they could have balanced that a bit more, but I love this album. I still come back to this album a lot. I think that this has some of their best songs on it since the mid to late 2000s. Uh, definitely a huge step up from the trilogy. I would say even rivaling, if not beating out their 90s work. I mean, it, it's clear they were listening to a lot of classic rock, like mostly bands like The Who. I mean, Somewhere Now sounds like it came right from that era, hugely influenced by that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bang Bang being the first single, too, to this album. 
Oh my God. Talk about a way to introduce it. Like that's an incredibly relevant song lyrically, even, you know, today with what you see going on and unfortunately the news and like the school shootings and stuff. Yes. Uh, So good. Revolution radio, the title track, incredible. I can't say enough good things about this album and forever now going back to like a seven minute song, the different parts like that. Yes. One of my all time favorite green day songs, if not top three, definitely top five Mm. lyrically. So good. I think the lyrics on this album are what I want from older green day where they're kind of looking back being like retrospective on their lives, specifically Billy. I mean, he does, pretty much all the lyrics at this point in the band. And that's what I want from him. Mature lyrics that can still be relevant in general, but are also more personal and show that like, yeah, I've grown up. And I I think that's what we got here. Yeah. I mean, it can, they, when this, first of all, this is my reintroduction to Green Day since American Diddy and 21st Century Breakdown. Because I mean, before going back and listening to all this, all these songs before we did today's show, like somewhere now I've listened to on a, pretty much on a daily basis. Bang Bang Revolution Radio, still breathing, mm-hmm. is a pretty big song. It wasn't like a hot 100 hit, but it's still a very relevant song. It was relatively big on uh, like rock radio for a while. Uh, I do remember hearing it a couple of times. Definitely not like Hot 100 or anything like that. But I think I think they played on Hell Omega. They did. Uh, uh, they did yeah. on Hell Omega, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the only song from Revolution Radio that they played. Yeah. I, 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 I love so Still Breathing. Young Blood is a fun one. Troubled Times, you know, it's, it's good as well. But Forever Now, when you get to Forever Now, you're like, Wow, they can still do that. Mm-hmm. They can still bring out the hard, um, the hard rock, operatic rock stuff. I I personally think that they could have ended it on Forever Now. I like Ordinary World a lot. Me too. But Forever Now is just such a, an epic song that I think they could have ended it on that, and it would have been a fine album closer. And I, the, yeah, I agree. The fun songs like. Like bouncing off the wall is so much fun, I and Young Blood, like Young Blood, I I really appreciate that that was a, a live staple at the time for this tour. Same thing with Forever Now, like they they played Forever Now and Jesus of Suburbia in the same tour. That's nuts. <laughs> it's great. Um, Say Goodbye and Troubled Times are definitely my two least favorites, but even those I think are in both really good borderline incredible songs i agree i it's just it's an all around i would say in the next 10 years it's going to hold up as a really strong green day record or a record in general i agree where does it rank amongst your green day albums though? that's a better question so number three really number three, yes uh just above nimrod this is the sound that I personally gravitate towards with Green Day along the lines of 20th century breakdown, American idiot style. I love this. It gives me like hints and like flashbacks of those sounds. And I think that it's, it's the sound that I had wanted from them 
after 21st century breakdown. I agree. I, with the sounding of it in general is really, really good. Like the the and I think you were the, actually the person that told me this. With the trilogy, they wrote 30 songs and just put out 30 songs and in within albums, you know? You know what I mean? Whereas this one, they wrote 12 songs, they focused on 12 songs, and that was that. Yeah, they really wanted to have, you know, quality over quantity on this, which I think was the right choice. I think that they picked Grand, you know, maybe they had more written as well that didn't make the cut, but I think this is if they're not gonna make huge like rock operas anymore, like American Idiot 21st Century Breakdown. Yeah. This is what I think they should do. I agree. I mean, this is just a, such a solid album from start to finish. I, I do love Order, Ordinary World a lot. I mean, it is it is a great song. Could they have done without it? Sure. Because Forever Now ends on such a somewhere now reprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ordinary, Ordinary World does end it on a that kind of good note, in, in a sense. In my, my opinion, yeah. of course. Uh, no, nothing against Forever Now because that song is awesome. But I do think, you know, 12 songs is it, it, focus on 12, have 12 songs and don't overdo it. That's what, uh, that's what I would do. But, um, but yeah. So, as strong as an album of this was, we have to go to our, their most recent release. All right, so, uh, what, where do you rank the sound? Oh, I am so sorry. I'm like, I'm ready to go all of a sudden, right? Number six, because okay. <clears throat> it is lower than I thought it would be, but at the same time, it's higher than the it's higher than the trilogy albums. It's yep. higher than I put it above one above warning. Truthfully, uh, I do love Rev Rad quite a bit. You're right. Sorry, sorry about that. But yes, Rev Rad is a fantastic album. I, I, I put it number six as a modern rock album too. Forget it. It's great. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. Anyways, now we can go to. Do I have to say it really? Father of all? <laughs> foam? Yeah. yeah. Foam? Mm. Mm-hmm. Kyle, foam. <laughs> so, uh, my opinion on this album has kind of changed over time. I will okay. say that. Um, I think it's an absolute travesty that we waited four years for a 26 minute album. I would be honest with that. They could have at least thrown in one or two more songs. I am in the minority that actually really likes the album cover. I love dumb, goofy things like that. And I love that they're mocking people that say, like, oh, we want you to make American Idiot again. I think that's hysterical <laughs> that they put a unicorn vomiting a rainbow on top of the American Idiot cover with what looks like Green Day written in ketchup. I yeah. love that. Um, but now when we talk about the actual music of it, it's a huge step back from Revolution Radio. It, it very much, to me, sounds like a midlife crisis album where he, he wanted to like feel young again and have a party album. Even like the... The release press even, was crazy too. Yeah. Yeah, like every video had like a weird on YouTube had a weird paragraph after like in the description that never made sense. They're like, "This is uncut pure rock. This is what we love." I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" It didn't make sense. 
And then they put out like billboards that were like, no Swedish producers, uncut pure rock with like cocaine lines underlining it. Oh my God. And I was like, you guys are like, I was like, you're old at this point. Like Revolution Radio, the lyrics were so retrospective and like mature. And then this album came out and it was just like, what? Like, what's going on? What's going on? You're going to think I'm crazy, but on September of 2021, summer September, I saved that Facebook, but when they first released Did the you? press release, I said, I want to read this out loud for all of you to understand what the hell they're talking about. Hold on a sec. <laughs> you really just did not give a shit. This record is the new soul Motown glam mania, uh, maniac, anthemic punks, yeah. freaks and punishers. Wait, hold on. It gets better. The dirty messy. And I have the font of it. It's written into the stink. The lyrics are about the, 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 the lyrics are like a party and lifestyle of not giving a fuck. The life and death of the party, not political, surviving chaos. The real shit. Me, Mike, and Trey of Green Day cut through the bullshit. That's how it's always been for us. Everything else is fake. Frauds, I tell you. Rock has lost its balls. We're going to teabag all these motherfuckers. The baddest rock band on the planet gives a shit. Glorious or glorious anarchy seems to be the word that could that keeps coming up there reflects dancing tribalism anxiety joy violence drugs booze dangerous songs for dangerous kids our motto nothing says fuck you like a unicorn love and kisses billy the new release father of all coming february 7th so None of that literally say none that. of that describes what the album sounds like. No, and not at all. Two, I found the billboard I was talking about that they put out to promote this. Oh my god. Um, keep in mind each one of these is underlined. Each statement here is underlined in a line of cocaine. It says no features, no Swedish songwriters, no trap beats, 100 percent pure uncut rock. Oh my god. That's so corny. It's so corny so and not bad. like Green Day at all. I also don't care too much for the production on this. It's definitely a step up from the trilogy. That's like that's for sure. Yeah, but it's de- it's like a garage rock album, oh very reminiscent of a lot of the songs of like an old fifties sound, like a modernized take on like some fifties sounds. Yeah. Which I, it's cool. Yeah, some of the songs are cool, but as an as a whole album, it's twenty six minutes long. Yeah. It, it leaves so my, much to be desired. By the time you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, that, that was it. That, that's my commute to work. Yeah. Yeah. I that's remember at I the did. time I was doing an internship somewhere and it, the album was over and I got like two more songs in by the time I got there because it was like a half hour ride. So it, big, big letdown in terms of time. And also the first three songs released in order of release was Father of All, Fire Ready, Aim, and Oh Yeah. So we already knew the first three songs of the album before it came out. Yeah. And then, and then the day of release, Meet Me on the Roof comes out. <clears throat> now, I will say, I really enjoy these songs, though. Yeah. I don't like Junkies on a High. I can't stand. Yeah. It's the third song of the only three Green Day songs I just physically do not like. And I was a teenage teenager's filler. Um, kind of sounds more like a Weezer song to me. It sounds like Green Day trying to sound like Weezer. 
and I like Weezer. So that's, I mean, the good songs on here are really freaking good. Like even, even father of all, I don't even mind the falsetto that he does. I think that's a actually like top tier green day song. People can say what they want about it. It sounds great. Take the money and crawl is it, it kicks ass, man. Like take the money and crawl is incredible. Graffiti is a great way to end the album. And I think that's the sound that more people wanted from this album. Cause that was more like the revolution radio style. So meet me on the roof is fun. It Stab is. you in the heart is super fun. And sugar youth is really good too. And even, Oh yeah, is great. It's just that this whole like weird era of the band didn't feel like green day. It felt like they were just kind of like messing around and like, didn't care about what they were doing or putting out. Maybe Billy was high when he wrote that message, by the way. I don't know, man. Maybe because that was a. And I, I, I saved the font of it too. Video, each of those videos, like, I don't know. I think they deleted them since then because I remember trying to look for it recently. But when they first posted the music videos, each one had a weird similar paragraph like that under it, or at least one line of just weird nonsense. It was so strange, dude. I looked at that. I was like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> but having said all these criticisms, I actually thoroughly enjoy this album, like Me more too. than most people. I, most people are like, oh, father of all that album is garbage, their worst one. And at the time, I was like, I kind of agree. I would put, I probably would have put Dose below it, to be honest. But I don't know. I, I still find myself going back, listening to the good songs from this album. I agree. Meet Me on the Roof is a staple for me personally. For me, take money and crawl is like my favorite off the album. I love that. Yeah, it's good too. Um, was what's the one? Um, Father of All though, the title track is just so good. It's just a bop to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I love it. Completely agree. So for me, having said all that, oh no, I I gotta put it in number nine. Okay, all right. I think that if there was. If the songs that were released after the album came out, like the the uh, Here Comes the Shock, Pollyanna, uh, and Holy Toledo, I think if those were on the album and the album's a little bit longer, yeah, it might even be above Uno, to be honest. But with as it is, I, I gotta put it at nine. It, it's just too short and it leaves a lot to be desired. <clears throat> I agree. For me personally, I put it one below you at number 10. But that is me personally. I, I as much as I do love the title track, Father of All, and you know, stuff like Fire Ready Aim is you know really good. I just wish this thing was longer. Yeah, that's my biggest problem with it. a lot of people have a problem, and I will say I don't necessarily disagree. The production, I think they should stay away from working with Butch Walker ever again. I agree. I forget what album we discussed one album that he had a hand in quite a few of the songs might've been Fall Out Boy's Mania. Yes. Um, But I don't care for him too much as a producer. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he does have some stuff that's like good. The amount of hand claps on this album. I think every song on this album has hand claps somewhere in it. And that drives me a little bit nuts. I just want to see something really quick, but yeah, like he's, yeah, he's he's produced a lot too. I just want to say, 
He's done a lot. Anyways, but yeah, yeah like, the handcuffs, the handcuffs and stuff. Yeah, it's just a little too much, and you know you can't really fully blame him for that. I'm sure they wanted that, but I think that even the songs that came out after this were even a step up. Like uh, "Here Comes the Shock," a lot of people don't like that one. I like it. It's a dumb, fun song. Exactly. Like Fire Ready Aim. Fire Ready Aim. The lyrics are horrible. Same thing with Here Comes the Shock. They're dumb, stupid lyrics, but the songs themselves are upbeat and fun. Uh, Pollyanna. I I think that's a really great song. Um, it came over well in Hello Mega, too. Yeah. And the whole message behind it. And then same thing, Holy Toledo, which they released last October, is especially solid so i mean if that's the direction they want to go i'm fine with it but it's just make a longer album or don't market it as an album call it an ep yes father of all eps <laughs> so um is that that's their most recent album right yeah yep that's their most recent album they have since then the network put out there follow-up album money money 2020 part two which was had a couple songs from foam that were left over which okay um art of the deal with the devil was confirmed to be a father of all song and degenerate is thought to be from father of all as well but you know i mean they're working on a new album now uh i have high hopes for it they're back with rob cavallo it seems so Hopefully after the next, the European leg of Hell Omega, which is this month, I believe, into July, hopefully we'll get something new from them after. I mean, they have, they've been teasing this 1972 crap for a while, too. So Yeah, since the end of 2021. So it's been months now. I know. It's, well, I mean, they're all, they're all 50 years old now. They might as well. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm hoping that they're done with the um, midlife crisis era. I, agree. I think that this is a weird, and by the lack of father of all songs on Hell Omega, I'm assuming that they are. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be an album that they're going to just never touch again and never talk about. Probably. Kind of like they did with the trilogy, but I, I would actually enjoy to hear what they had to say about it, like in hindsight. I would right. like to see what, if they were ever asked about in an interview what their take on it was. But we may never know. So let's do this. Let's sh- I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. You can share your screen now and give the viewers a breakdown of what um, <clears throat> of what um, what our breakdown is. Let me do this. I, I, I do it again. I can do... Hold on. Oops. Yep. Can you see that? Not yet. Hold on. Let me do this. All right. There you go. Perfect. Sorry about that. Anyways, go ahead. That's that's sick. So you have up right now is awesome. So we got my ranking here. Number 13, 39, smooth. 12, dose. Kerplunk at number 11. Warning at number 10. Father of all at number 9. Trey at 8. Uno at seven, Dookie at six, Insomniac at five, Nimrod at four, and then my big three, Revolution Radio, American Idiot, and 21st Century Breakdown, rounding out at number one. I'll be honest with you, this list surprised me. When I made it, 
uh, in a number of ways. One, I didn't expect Dookie to be so low. I didn't expect Father of All to be as high as it is. And I didn't expect Warning to be as low as it was. There you go. Same thing with Insomniac. I didn't think that would be that high. So I was pleasantly surprised. We've got your ranking here. Dose at number 13. 39 Smooth at 12. Kerplunk at 11. Father of All at 10. Uno at 9. Trey at 8. Warning at 7. Revolution Radio at 6. Insomniac at 5. Nimrod at 4. Dookie at 3. 21st Century Breakdown at 2. And number 1, American Idiot. This is a great list. Both lists are great. Both lists are great. <laughs> that's, that's the great thing about Green Day. Is everyone has a different list of Green Day. Everyone has their preferred like era of the band. And that's what I wanted to touch on to kind of wrap things up. Is when we were talking about Warning, you are talking about that being like the end of an era for that band. Yeah. For that era of the band. I would have to agree. Like when I listen to Green Day, I have like specific eras always in my head like there was the the pre you know 39 smooth and kerplunk days the pre-major label then you got your like dookie and insomniac being like the the breakthrough like pop punk hits kind of leading into nimrod and warning being experimental warning really did kill that entire 90s version of the band that we really haven't seen ever come back since. 2000s gave us the more serious, like epic rock opera version of the band with American Idiot, 21st Century Breakdown. Then we had the weird, the first weird era of the band. And this is where the eras kind of get weird is you have the trilogy, but then you have Revolution Radio, which fits more along the lines of the 2000s albums. Then you have Father of All that fits back in with the trilogy. So I'm interested to see where they're going to go from here. I'm hoping it's something more mature and less midlife crisis feeling than Father of All. But if it's a new era altogether of the band, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And that's going to do it for us. I want to thank, as always, my man, Kyle Q for tuning in and helping me and doing this podcast together. We love doing it. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this with me. You are the man. Thank you. Of course. And uh, if you like what you've seen here and you like listening to us, subscribe to us on YouTube, simply at the Superview show, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook and hit the like button as well. Follow us on Spotify podcast. We do a regular show called Mixed Bag on Wednesday nights. We had to push this to Friday to today because of our schedules. Thank goodness we got we got out of the way and we had a blast doing it. I want to thank you so much for watching, listening, however you enjoyed us. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>